everyone, welcome to Game Face, episode 213 on Sifted Games at Sifted.net. I'm Shane Satterfield, your host for our flagship show that spins you around the gaming industry for the next couple hours. I got some friends along with me. I got Matt Kyle here. What's up, Matt? Hey, Shane. What's up? <laughs> How you holding up, man? You had a crazy week, dude. Like, well, Yeah, I'm old Friday mainly. Just, just one day. Um, share, share the story of what happened to you, Matt. Uh, so um, Friday night, I was uh, watching Star Wars Rebels, like you do. Uh, and uh, I heard my house, my, the security system in my house, when you, even if the alarm's off, when you open a door or a window, it makes like a beep, like a peep, peep, peep sound to like let you know that something's open. And I heard that sound and I'm like, well, there's no one else in the house that should be opening anything. And I look over and there's an arm like holding my front door open. And uh, they suddenly closed the door and ran. And, I, and I, it turns out my instinct when that oh happens is to run out, God. is to run after them. So I chased <laughs> them out into the front yard and I hopped over the fences and uh, jumped in their SUV and screeched off. And I checked the cameras and there's, yeah, there's two, two dudes sneaking up, creeping up and putting up the masks. I mean, they had masks, surgical masks and gloves on. They're very considerate. Um, and they put, considerate of not getting caught. Yeah, and they put up, no, but no, but then they put up their t-shirts like other masks, like full, further masks, so double masks. Even if they gotten in, it would have been very sterile. And um, <laughs> you wouldn't have caught the Rona from them. No, it would have been all. It would have been fine. And um, and yeah, they, so they they stood around. Uh, the weirdest part actually was like um, I think they came in because all my my lights were off. I didn't I hadn't turned on any lights up in the front of the house or the porch light or anything. Um, so pro and it was Friday night. The cops later said it's Friday night and they'd had a ton of break-ins that night because it was Memorial Day weekend. Uh, and so and, and everybody everybody way, right? and everybody thinks the pandemic is over. So they're all going out to vacation homes or Big Bear or wherever. And so I think he, they said like there was a lot of break-ins Friday night in LA because people were just cruising around looking for things at places that looked like nobody was home. Now the, the kicker there is that I, I didn't realize it, but I guess when I took the trash out earlier, I didn't lock the door when I came back in. So they just opened the door. Like they, which like- Yeah, they didn't hand, break in. <laughs> no, they just sort of, they just like thought no one was home, checked the door, it opened. And then they just sort of looked in and realized I was home and ran. And, um, it was, I mean, it was funny because, like, you, imagine from their point of view where they're just, like, sort of cruising around. It's like, oh, that looks like there's no one home. Like, let's, let's go look. Let's check it out. Doors open. What the heck? Like, they must have thought it was, like, their luckiest night ever for a second. Did they there. have any tools to, like, break in with? Not that Did I you saw. Tell? No, not How were they going to get in? They were just going to kick it, probably, if wow. it wasn't open. I mean, I, I'm happy I left the door unlocked because then they just opened it instead of breaking it. So that's Yeah. Cool. But, um, How terrifying is that, though? Looking over... And seeing the arm pushing your front door open, that yeah. moment I would be seared in my mind for the rest of my life, I think. It, for whatever reason, it didn't. I just was like, I just, I mean, I just said, what the fuck? And, and like, then like realized kind of what was happening and just sort of got up, up jumped off the couch and ran at him. Like, did uh, you ever just, make eye contact with either no. one of them? No. Wow. That's um, crazy, man. They were already at, probably out of the yard by the time I got outside, really. Uh -huh. But, um, uh, so yeah, so the cops came and, and they took the video clips and said it's probably just a random thing. It certainly was a random thing. You can see on the on the video like the the car goes by and slows down and kind of turns around and then like sits in front of the house a bit to like, scope it out and then turns around to the other side of the street and then they come over. And um, so it wasn't like they were just walking down your street checking every door. Like they no, they were they were case targeted your house. No, they were casing the neighborhood and saw my lights were off and thought that might be a good target. 
Right. They weren't, they weren't targeting my house. They, it was a target of opportunity. Wow. Um, it's crazy. It, it ha it's been happening a lot recently uh, in a lot of neighborhoods around here. Like you see people just sort of sitting around on this, you know, and like they used to, they, they, that's funny because the excuse that people used to use, they, they just be, you see, see something sitting in the car for like an hour, two hours on a block somewhere. And you'd be like, well, if someone goes up to them and asks like, what are you doing? Like this street and a couple other streets are right next to a major street. And so people use this street to kind of bypass the traffic on the major intersections next to this on the major street one over. So if you if people get ask about, you know, someone sitting in a car kind of casing houses, a lot of times the answer is, um, oh, I'm just sitting here waiting for traffic to die down or whatever. But you can't use that excuse now because there's no traffic anymore because <laughs> there's no commute. Like, there's no commuting because everything everyone's still staying home in L.A. County. Yeah. And um so there's been a lot of that going around, but this was just super random. This was just super random. Like it. Um, I'm glad you're okay. I mean, bottom line is yeah, that's what's I mean, most important. Like, I mean, I'm glad, glad they didn't. They didn't actually continue coming in because I would not have won that fight. The one dude was very large. Um, yeah. But uh, like, well, you had a baseball bat, so. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. This, it's, I don't know if he would have. I hate felt to laugh this, about it. I'm this dude was huge. Like he was uh -huh. like. WWE huge. Oh so. wow! The other guy with him was like a little dude. I could have broken him. So the half, little dude like, was the brains. The big guy was the brawn. He's big guy the, was scout. Yeah, big guy <laughs> was like, you go in and tell me when it's safe. Like he literally stands outside my front door and like hides around the corner. And then like then he stands there for like twenty seconds with his hands down his pants. Uh, I'm just like, okay, I guess you like your work. Um, and oh, then he man. then he like motions for the other guy to come up, and he comes up, and then they they poke in and and freak out and run away. Unreal. How do you feel about that, Mitch, being a newly transplanted uh, Angelino? <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm happy you're good, Matt. Like, I really am, because that would Glad be... you're living in an apartment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I, got, I got a couple layers of security for me, so I, I'm, I feel safe. But, man, that would terrify the shit out of me, like, beyond belief. Yeah. Yeah, yeah like, I, I really didn't bother me that much. Uh, I was more bothered by uh, the time I was in my old apartment and my uh, car got s smashed into and uh, not like they didn't steal much because there wasn't much in. I don't keep much in my car, but they got like a seven or eight year old iPod video that I used for like music uh -huh. and they got my expired car registration. Um, so <laughs> what are they well, going to do with well that? done? I mean, they'll figure but like out something, that, yeah. but that felt like much more of a violation because they got in and ruffled through my, all my stuff and everything. Whereas this was just sort of like, what the hell? Like, like, you know, like, yeah, it was just like a weird thing. It was because I left the door open and didn't have the lights on. I was, I was getting a little because I've been like, you know, I have like a decontamination process. I come in and like kind of wash things yeah. and, uh, and like it just, you know, after a while, like I'm just sort of in this like. You know, I mean, I'm in pandemic fog brain sometimes <laughs> and I just don't think about it. Well, but, it's going to uh, get way worse because especially in big cities, the crime is going to skyrocket because there are so many people out of work who are desperate. Maybe they have kids. Maybe they have a wife who can't work. And oh, there's a lot of people out there right now being like, I could rob somebody or I could not eat. Yeah. Oh, um, I mean, it's wild out there. Like I was out yesterday. I had to pick up some stuff from Target and um First of all, I saw at least three people screaming at employees about having to wear a mask. It's like, get over your fucking self, dude. Um, oh basic God. science, get over it. Um, and and this is in West Hollywood. Like, this is not some kind of, like, concentration yeah. of, like... So imagine right what it's like where I'm yeah, from, yeah. in, like, Central PA. I have right. a buddy who's a mailman, and he wears a mask. He has to go into businesses and people's homes all day, every day. And as he is walking down the street, rednecks drive by and harass him for wearing a mask. 
classy. That's how bad it is. And right? like people, and there's like people standing in line to get in the store, and like no one, no one's staying away from each other. Everyone's got their masks down, like talking on the phone or like eating and stuff. And it's like, all right, that doesn't help really. But then, then like the most hilarious stuff that I saw was in the actual store. There were I saw these people, a lot of people, like a couple groups of people, like families, or whatever. And every time they'd want to talk to each other, they pull the mask down to talk to each other. I'm like, that is... You, <laughs> What's the point? Wear even, the mask. even one of the cops that came to check out the robbery attempt, like, had the mask down below his nose. I'm like, oh, so close, dude. You're, You're so trying, close. but... But um, the one thing I did think was very funny in my target run was out by the front of the line. They have a whiteboard that lists all the, you know, the high demand the stuff, stuff they have like whether they have it or not. And they had like, you know, paper towels, toilet paper, hand sanitizer, bleach, you know, like Clorox wipes, like 20 different things. And the last thing on the list, Nintendo Switch. Ha! Interesting. The only non-household cleaning product on the entire list was a Switch. Nice segue, and Matt, they did to not bring have it, it back around to video games. Excellent job. They did not have any. Just, <laughs> they didn't. Uh, nobody does. Wondering. They're sold out everywhere. Uh, like I said, I think last week my brother-in-law paid like five hundred dollars for one off of eBay because his kids wanted one and can't find him. So, uh, if you go on to find us on social medias, you can find me on Twitter at Dinfire. You can find Matt. At M Kyle, that's M K E I L. And you can find Mitch at Mitch Sikor, S I K O R. And if you watch Game Face on YouTube or you listen to it on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts and you want an alert to know when the show goes up on YouTube or when the podcast uh, feed goes up for everybody, follow us on Twitter at Sifted Games. So we've made it through May, gentlemen. <laughs> we've. We've made oh, it. Still a few days left. <laughs> yeah, but this is our last episode before May is over. We have somehow dragged our butts across the finish line. Um, it has been a tough month to get through trying to do podcasts every week, but there's been just enough every time to get us through. We actually have a couple games to talk about in today's episode, and we're going to kick things off with Minecraft Dungeons. Now, yeah, I, apparently I'm the only person on the crew that has played this, um, and I would say that I think some people, maybe you guys didn't play it because you didn't know it came out or you're just like, oh, I don't have the time. Well, as it turns out, you absolutely did have the time because the game is about three and a half or four hours long. Um, <laughs> for those of you who don't know, Minecraft Dungeons is a Diablo-like, an isometric action RPG set in the Minecraft universe. Um, and I would even say set in the Minecraft universe very loosely because pretty much all it has is the art style and the lore of Minecraft. But otherwise, there's no connective tissue between this game and the actual game Minecraft. There is no building in the game. There is no level destruction in the game. It's just basically Diablo for kids with a Minecraft paint job if I had to sum it up hmm. in a sentence. So it's just um, an art style thing. That's all it is. Yeah, it doesn't actually carry, like, the elements from Minecraft over. Again, like, the plot is, like, whatever. It is a game. I didn't realize this until I started playing it, but it is really a game for kids. And Minecraft, obviously, is a game that kind of transcends age brackets. But I think if you looked at the demographics, still you would probably find that the vast majority of people playing Minecraft are kids from, like, 6 to, like, 13 or whatever. And that is definitely the target audience for, uh, for Minecraft Dungeons. It is available on Game Pass. That's how I played it. 
Um, so if you're a Game Pass subscriber, it's there. It's free. Uh, if you're paying for the game and you don't have a Game Pass, it's a $20 game. So, you know, you take that into consideration when you start discussing things like game length. It, like I said, it is about three and a half or four hours long. Uh, there are already several hooks for DLC in the game. So it's coming. Um, and like, and there are only nine stages in this game and they're not especially longer than any other isometric, uh, action RPG. So imagine how long it takes you to get through a stage, a typical stage in Diablo, multiply that by nine. And that's the entire game. Um, now, because this game now, I realize, was targeted at children, they've made some design decisions that make sense for that audience, uh, in all honesty. Um, it's very, very simple. Uh, it's the one thing I will say that I do like about it, and I think there is really one thing that I like about it, and that is that you're not really locked into specific class archetypes. Um, every character in the game can have up to three abilities that you can assign. And if you want, you can make them all healing, so you have a healer. Uh, or you can make them all defense, so you have a tank. Or you can mix them up, and you can have one of each discipline to kind of create an all-around, all well-rounded character. So that is the one thing that I like. You're not locked into, okay, now I'm a ranged person who can only fire arrows all game long. Um, you, you actually can use ranged combat and melee combat with every character in the game as well. So that is one thing that I do like, but that's pretty much where the compliments end. Uh, the combat in this game is terrible. It feels wooden. You feel completely detached from the character, the animations. And again, it's hard to tell how much of this game sucks because they actually tried to make it part of it like Minecraft. Um, and so the combat, really simple. You're just whacking your sword, whacking your sword, but that is Minecraft. Um, so in some ways, the ways that they did try to adhere to the IP have held the game back, and then they refused to adhere to the IP where it could actually have made the game better and more interesting. So when you look at this game and you consider, okay, it's based on the Minecraft franchise and the IP, how have they done handling that? In that way, I think it, that they've done a terrible job. Like other... if. You'd never know this was a Minecraft game other than the blocky, low-poly, low-res texture art style. Um, and it does accomplish that pretty well. But another problem that I've run into is, again, it's isometric. So you have the camera kind of up high, <clears throat> excuse me, and offset. The problem is, is that because it's at like a, a weird angle, a lot of the objects, the 3D objects in the world, you'll try to... Get your character to walk past a 3D object, but instead you'll click on the 3D object and your character will like walk in a circle. I know this sounds silly and you're like, oh, Shane, that's just you learning how to play the game. I was still doing this towards the end of the game. It's a problem that is persistent throughout the entire experience. Um, I don't know what, here's the thing. I don't know what other isometric action RPGs do to make sure that's not a problem. But in this one, it most definitely is. So I'm kind of flummoxed by that part of the game. I also can't figure out how their testers didn't discover it. Uh, and speaking of testers, maybe this just wasn't tested all that well at all because it is loaded with bugs. I had, well, I had a boss that bugged and got caught on geometry and just kind of stood there glitching and I was able to just wipe him out and kill him. Um, I've fallen through the game world a couple different times. I've had... I've completed stuff that didn't save and I had to do it over again. Uh, again, you know, for a Minecraft game coming from Microsoft, it's, 
it's kind of shocking uh, how this game is and the lack of quality in this game. Uh, like I said, you equip three relics to each character. That gives you kind of your character build. Um, enemy spawning is broken. There are parts in the levels where you'll just kind of get catapulted to another level and uh, to another piece of the level and you'll land and immediately you're just swarmed and you die. Um, the game is procedurally generated, or at least it's supposed to be, but all the levels all look samey and look the same. Like they have a different palette, but if you look at the levels within those similar palettes, they all look pretty much the same, the same objects, even a lot of times the same layout. Um, but that, Procedural generation carries over to the enemies as well. So it's it's spawning them based upon what it thinks it should do based upon the level that was just created. And that system is busted. Um, there are so many times that you just they just spawn like 12 enemies and you just die. Um, and that is the danger of doing a game like this without a ton of testing. Um, you end up getting a half-baked product, and that's exactly what this is. Um, another thing about it that I think may turn off people who really like the genre is that there aren't really drops in the game. Uh, there are, like, per stage, I'm guessing I would get two drops. One or two, probably, per stage. As far as, like, a new piece of gear that you actually want to equip and use. And then what happens is, when you finish a stage, all the gold that you collect on the stage, you then sp in the stage, you then spend to get loot boxes, which gives you random gear. Uh, and again, I'm sure that's all going to tie into DLC at some point. Uh, that doesn't mean that the system is good or that it makes sense right now. Um, let's see what else. Uh, the potion cooldowns take forever. Um, so in conjunction with the fact that they'll just spawn way too many enemies around you at once, you take your potion and it takes way too long before you can take another one. So it took me a while to figure that out, and ultimately, it makes you play the game a lot more cautiously, but the tools aren't really there to do that. Like, you don't feel like you have true precision over the gameplay while you're playing. It feels loosey-goosey, and when you have controls that feel like that, and you throw in these other elements, again, it just kind of dooms the game. Um, other than that, like I said, the game's 20 bucks, or if you're a Game Pass subscriber, you can play it for free. Uh, it's available for Xbox One and PC. Um, but I, you know, if you have Game Pass, give it a whirl. Well, there's nothing else coming out right now other than a game we're going to talk about here in a couple minutes. Um, but, you know, to pay it, I would not pay 20 bucks for this game. I don't care how big of a Minecraft fan you are. And mostly because uh, it isn't really Minecraft. It looks like Minecraft, but it doesn't have the elements that really make people resonate with that IP. Um, I see Sneaky saying anything positive. I did say something positive. I talked about the character builds and how you can spec your character however you want. You don't have to have like a spellcaster or a ranged character. You can build it exactly how you want. And that is one part that I do like and something that they simplified probably for the younger audience, but something that I wouldn't mind being in a lot of other games. So that is one positive, but other than that, <laughs> I would not recommend it. Uh, Matt, do you have any interest in this at all? No, I didn't even know it existed until it was on the rundown today. So good job on that promotional campaign. I don't know. It's not for me. It's for kids. <laughs> it's it's uh, And what you're describing sounds a lot like my reaction to almost every Diablo alike in recent years. So 
you know, there are a lot coming in the next like eight months. There are four or five Diablo clones that are coming. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, your mileage will vary with your interest as far as that is. But it's a. Uh, I don't know. I I would not recommend. I would even recommend this to get for your kids. I mean, that would put me on the line a little bit. So say you're a mom or a dad and you'd like to get your kids into that genre because you like the genre and you would like them to be able to play better games with you, then I could see a case for it. And the other thing too is that you can play cooperatively. Uh, again, it's up to four players. You can play it on the couch or you can play it online. So you can play it with your kids. If you have two kids, you know, you almost have a full party. Um, and a kid will have no idea that the game stinks. So you're going to have to suffer through it while they enjoy it. So I could see a case there uh, where maybe it would be worth picking up. I know parents are using anything they can to babysit their kids right now. Uh, <laughs> there's uh, there's only so many cartoons on Netflix uh, and Nickelodeon before you need to find something else. So I can understand that angle, why somebody might maybe inspect it a little bit more closely. But for people like us, um, adult gamers, I have a really hard time recommending it. So, I do any have questions two questions for, for you. Okay. Um, one chat was asking, were you playing this on PC or Xbox One because there is a cursor? PC. Yeah. Okay. Um, I just my... continued because I was playing um, Gears Tactics on PC. That's what I thought. I thought you. I thought it came with Game Pass with that too. So, um, and then my other question is: Do you think it would be a good introduction for uh, for a younger kid who has never played the type of genre before? Or do you? That's have what a I just said. Kid? Yeah, that's exactly different... what I just said. Oh, sorry, I must have missed it. <laughs> yeah, I talked about it for like five minutes. How if you're a parent and you want to get your kids into playing games like this, um, that yeah, you this, this might be a good game to do that, like a gateway game, a Trojan horse game. Do you have a different game you would recommend if, if it wasn't this one? Well, they don't really make this genre for kids. It's typically a genre because it's an old genre that people like Matt and I have been playing for years. I think if you look at the demographics for games like this, I think you'll see that probably the median age of the player for these games is probably like 30-something. That's my guess. Um, so there aren't a lot of opportunities, honestly, um, for kids to even try this. And it probably is smart. Like, would... It probably wasn't a good idea to make this in the first place, to be honest with you. Um, but I think, uh, I think again, if you're looking for something to get your kids into something that you really like, then you know maybe it's worth a, a choice. But or just get Torchlight too. Yeah, that's. I don't know if kids can handle that because the other thing about it is these games are really complicated. They get complicated. The good ones, like the ones that Matt and I typically play, um, and I don't think kids would be able to handle that even after playing something like this. I don't know. Smarter. My niece has been playing Civilization Six since she was nine. Like it's they're, they're smarter than you think. Yeah, I guess um, I would not recommend it. I, I mean, I have tons of nieces and nephews and I don't feel like any of them are at the point where they could play a serious um, isometric RPG. But maybe, you, maybe, your is a, maybe your niece is a genius. <laughs> she kind of is, but like she, uh, like Torchlight is also, I think, a more simplified or at least streamlined game of that type. I'm not saying go out and buy him uh, Chaos Bane or whatever that Warhammer thing that's on sale right now. Well, is. I'll say this. That is better than this. Well, yeah, I believe that, but it's also a, a lot bloodier. It is. Yeah, you wouldn't play that with your kids either. Um, although that one is also kind of streamlined. A kid might be able to work their way through that okay. Mm. 
Um, but in general, I don't recommend this really for anybody. <laughs> Even if I had kids, I'd be like, I'd rather have, I'd rather play like Splatoon with them or something like that than this game, uh, just to be perfectly honest, because it's really not uh, enjoyable. Um, I can't see the B-roll, but where'd you get the B-roll? Uh, the B-roll for this game? Yeah. Oh, from YouTube. Yeah, because uh, the chat's asking about it being skill-ups. I don't know what that I, is. Yeah, I think it is. I think he is uh, the one who made the B-roll originally. Mm. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I don't recommend it. Um, if you have Game Pass, it's not going to kill you to download it. It's not going to cost you anything. And you can play a couple levels and you can figure out pretty quickly. That's the other thing. The game doesn't really ramp up much. What you get in the first couple stages are pretty much what you get. Um, mm. So if you have Game Pass, you can play the first couple levels and you should be good. They haven't put a trailer for this out or anything. I just feel like they I've did. never heard of it. Yeah, it yeah. was announced they put out a bunch E3 of trailers last year. Hmm. Yeah, they haven't put out. I'll say this though: they have not put out a ton of promotion for it. Um, but it's we have not. I don't think we've talked about it on Game Face because today, when I went in early to set everything up before Mitch got there, I was looking in our database of footage on the TriCaster, and there was not a single piece of media for the game in there. So hmm. usually, that's a pretty good sign that uh, that. Yeah, <laughs> so I, I I don't know. It's um I, I guess I have to commend Microsoft a little bit for trying to kind of create this wedge that could wedge people into liking a new genre, but it was just poorly executed. And and again, I don't think the Mojang team worked on this much. I think they just kind of consulted on it. Um, but I'm pretty disappointed in the end product, unfortunately. So there you go. That's Minecraft Dungeons. One thumb down. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about rumors. Rumors are all we have these days, people. Um, it's We got to talk about stuff that might happen instead of stuff that is actually happening. And the latest rumor that came out this week was that Gran Turismo 7 is, is in development. But, you know, we all knew that. We all know that sequels to gigantic franchises are in development as soon as the prior game finishes. So that's not the revelation. The revelation was that it's planned for this year. So when we for play and also it's a PlayStation five exclusive. And the reason we're talking about this and not just dismissing it as another piece of crap rumor that's floating around the internet is because this rumor was started on accident by one of PlayStation's partners. So Polyphony Digital, the developer that creates Gran Turismo, they have a ton of licensees. So all the companies that they get parts for that you use to then build your car inside the game, they license those parts from licensees. And a cockpit licensee um, went on Twitter and said, and said that, that Gran Turismo, a new Gran Turismo, is coming this year and is coming for a PlayStation 5. Okay. And it's... Um, so Sony obviously so basically a Tony Hawk pro skater situation here. Yeah. Yeah. You had an insider who had probably really reliable information, not realizing the enormity of what they're doing. I mean, that's really the problem here. Mm -hmm. it's, it's like, if these people knew that it was a big deal, they probably wouldn't mention it. But to them, it's like, they don't care. They're like, you know, it doesn't matter to them. So I, um, I'm surprised, honestly, and I don't, I'll be perfectly honest, and I, I do mention this in Sifted HQ today. I, um, I don't believe this rumor. I, I think that the licensee has been working with Polyphony on the game, and maybe Polyphony at one point was like, we're targeting 2020 for this game, but I, I don't believe it at all. 
and on honesty. Uh, I one, they're still cranking out tons of DLC for a Gran Turismo sport. Um, and look, Polyphony is a pretty big team, so it you know they can start specking out the next game and still do DLC for the old game. But the biggest part for me, honestly, is that it's Polyphony. <laughs> Polyphony Digital never gets games done quickly, like ever. It's yeah. like their reputation is actually a little exaggerated. Like it was only three years between, uh, uh, like, was it because four was the first PS3 one, right? Yep. Four was one that took like six years. Yeah, um, it was only like three. Cell processor, three, I can understand yeah. that. It was only like three years between that and five. And then it was like four years between five and six. And then like three years between six and sport or something like that or whatever. Maybe it's five and sport. I can't remember what the numbers are. They're up to anymore because uh, sport wasn't numbered. So that's not GT7. This is this coming on a GT7. Um, it's been three years since GT Sport. It's possible. Um, I don't really ca I don't care about a Gran Turismo. Um, I haven't actually played one since five, I think. Um I just I've always found them a little sterile and once Forza came along like there was just no reason for me to play GT anymore. Um like I pretty I kind of halfway buy this. Like it would be a, a decent launch. Uh they know by now ahead of time that uh Microsoft's going to launch with Forza. So it would be like a direct one to heck head to head competition between the big driving games uh from you know system to system at launch. Um like I kind of buy it. Like, like, there's enough time if Polyphony's kind of gotten their stuff together to, like, get that on target, and um, it would be a smart launch uh, lineup choice uh, to kind of compete with Forza 7. Um, is it Forza 7 or Forza 8? Forza 8. eight. Um, it, would be, it would be a good uh, planning. I don't know Polyphony, like you say, I don't know if Polyphony can get that together that fast, uh, and it might be old information because who knows how often, you know, parts licensees are updated about things but um like it wouldn't shock me if it turned out to be true it i has bet we'll been, find out soon yeah we should i mean it has been what three years three years sport yeah. yeah i mean that's enough time but like you said like it has sometimes taken polyphony like over half a decade well it took them six years for the first ps3 one and yeah. with the cell and i mean, I mean yeah. i'll give them a little bit of leeway with that for sure and it took them uh, a little longer than expected for five. I mean, the first, that's the thing is like the first GT on a new system does seem to take them a while. Um, and we'll see. I mean, they've done stuff like put out like, you know, like the GT prologues, which are sort of like, hey, here's basically a demo to shut you up while we finish the game for two more years kind of thing. Um, so that could also be part of it. Or, you know, maybe there's a GT Sport upgrade for PS5, the, a PS5 version of that or something. And this guy just didn't fully know what, he was talking about like there's a lot of possibilities here but the idea that they would want a gt in that launch lineup uh does make a fair amount of sense and i think there's been enough time elapsed since sport that they could have you know shifted to new development and kept like a team on the dlc and polyphony is a pretty big company and it, god knows they take up enough money from sony every year so uh yeah i'm not gonna i'm not gonna totally, totally dismiss this one like it, it feels like there's got to be something there. There's too much, you know, the, the fact that it came from someone that clearly doesn't know any better than to not talk about it makes me feel like something's in the works in there. I mean, we knew something's in the works anyway, but the fact that he thought it was this year, yeah, I'll, I'll give that kind of like a 30, 40% chance of, of happening. I mean, the company could be looking at it like, okay, we've worked with Polyphony before on one of these games. I mean, they could be just, what I'm saying is they could just be extrapolating. They could be like, okay, they reached out to us at this point on the last game. And then it came out later that year. They just reached out to us 
now. So I'm assuming that it's coming out this year. Eh, that seems like a real big leap. Like, uh, I've, it seems way more likely that he just, this guy just knew information from the licensing deal and just said it without thinking. Like, now so here's one thing that's, and it could have been, like you said, it could have been just somewhere in that deal. There was the, the, the number 2020 was in there and that's yeah. all he remembered. But like, I don't know, like enough time has passed that it's not impossible. Now he, I think the company has come out and said, oh, we were wrong. Or of course they're going right. to do that. I mean, Sony obviously went to them and was like, bro, like you're risking your business by doing this. Like we could cut you as a licensee. Right. And um, let's be so honest. We, we know how much, how seriously to take that kind of stuff. And those, those official denials of things yep. when rumors said, and we'll get to that in the next subject too. Yeah. But um, it's just, you know, they're going through the usual rigmarole because uh, Sony's going to want to debut that in their own way. And uh, if it is in the pipeline for this year, I'm sure we'll see it in the next month or so. Month or two. You want to know what really surprised me about I was researching for this topic. So I was going back and like looking through a lot of the GT Sport stuff. And I started like digging into the sales for GT Sport. And for whatever reason, I had thought it had sold pretty poorly um, because it was one of those games that showed up the first month on MPDs and then disappeared and never showed up again. Um, and so I started digging into the sales. And in the first like five or six months, it sold 3.3 million. And now Sony is claiming that currently there are almost 9 million active players playing Gran Turismo Sport. I'm shocked by that. Hmm. Shocked. I, I don't know. I don't know anyone who's played it. I don't know anyone who still plays it. I didn't hear anyone talking about it. Now I do get also, oh, it sold like 10 million copies. Not, it seems weird that like there would still be 9 million of those people still playing it. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to say that they're making it up or whatever. I have no idea. It just seems weird to me based upon anecdotal evidence. You know, I don't know anyone who really liked Gran Turismo Sport who were old GT fans. They were like, it's all right. But in all honesty, it just feels like other franchises have just looped, have just lapped it. Like, mm -hmm. I, I don't get excited for Gran Turismo anymore. I used to back in its first, like, three entries. I think A-Spec was the last one that I got really, really excited for. Um, and then, you know, Forza Horizon or Forza Motorsport started coming out. And, like, even its first entry could kind of compete with Gran mm -hmm. Turismo. Um, and, look, I know that uh, Forza Motorsport does not sell anywhere near as well as Gran Turismo. So if you want to say the proof is in the pudding and the sales, totally get that. But personally, I feel like Forza Motorsport is the superior franchise at this point. Yeah. Well, I also feel Forza has um, Forza cap and always from the beginning has captured sort of the verve and the excitement and the, ex the experience of driving and the and the sort of the love of cars that kind of goes along with being an automotive enthusiast. And like yeah. GT has always just felt really sterile to me. It's just boring. I know. Mm -hmm. It's like it just. I don't want it to be like this. I don't want it to become Forza Horizon. No, I don't want it to become an arcade racer or anything. But like. Act like you're interested once in a while. Yeah. Like it's like, like the the menus even are just so. The, yeah. Like one of I don't can't remember which one it was. It was it was just white. It was just like this empty white void with text on it. And you're like, like this, I know they think they're being kind of clean and 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 minimalist and stuff. But like I've even as someone who has my own issues with the the Top Gear boys, um, having those guys, you know, Clarkson and those guys in there, like you know waxing philosophical about like backstories of the car as well. You looked at like, just like, you know, the, the enthusiasm you get from someone who really loves cars is there in everything turn 10 makes. And polyphony is just, it feels so mathematical 
in a in a really sterile. I mean, way I would argue never Forza Motorsport is very sterile and boring too. But it can it, be. It, it's a step above Gran Turismo, yeah. <laughs> at least. Either one feel- of them are really like exciting games. No, it, it it doesn't feel as assembly line to me as GT does. I'd agree. I'd agree with that. Um, and then, you know, Gran Turismo was really slow to come around to vehicle damage because, you know, they kept saying that the licensees didn't want it. And then or every they other said they couldn't stuff. model it properly. And then right, everyone's like, mm, right. no, we did it. It's right yeah. there. Like, Everyone oh, else well, has well, done it. Our, our damage would be way more physics based. It's like, bro, just just make the car dent. Like, <laughs> no one cares. We just want to just don't want everything to look quite so much like it's made out of like invincible plastic. Yep. Are you excited about Gran Turismo anymore, Matt? Oh, God, no. I'll Me never either. play that game. Me either. Like, it's, it's, you know, I've I got room in my life for like one driving game every couple of years, and it's going to be Forza. And I don't even know if it's going to be Forza this time. Like, I... I feel like I'm. I feel like Horizon. Because you know that's me- coming for launch of Xbox oh, yeah. Series X. But I feel like, yeah. like Horizon gives me what I need in terms of like a driving game every once in a while, and uh, you know, take care. Like I, like I don't need much more than that. Mitch, what's your experience or take on Gran Turismo? Have you played it at all? Yeah, I played. Uh, oh, geez, was it four? Four was the one to first come out for PlayStation Three, right? I believe so. Okay, I played that one. And I would agree with you both in this, in the sense of it's very lifeless. Um, yeah. it, it just doesn't no energy. You know, it exactly, and I think um, the marketing doesn't help that. It kind of sells its um, simulation, which it, it is a great simulator. It is, but yeah. if you really don't, if that's not the thing that's appealing to you, you're not going to have interest. And that's the thing that made me lose interest. Um, I I could buy that there are nine million active users because it was free on PlayStation Plus. Um, for a, for a, oh, that's a month. good point. So it did that's bring a good in point. Some and that is also that what they're saying. They're saying nine million players. They're not yes. saying that we've sold nine million copies of the game. They're saying that we have nine million players. So it, exactly. that does actually make a lot of sense. Yeah, um, so, that it, I'd yeah. forgotten about that. That it was free for a while. Yeah. So there's that, <laughs> and I think the thing that Forza may have above. Like even though Forza is another type of simulator, it's got a it's got a, a tone to it where it's exciting and fun. And I mean, I could even point to the DLC with the Lego DLC. That trailer itself sells you on the game. When you go to play it, it may not be exactly what you think it is with the trailer, but at least the trailer is exciting to watch and gets you hyped yeah. about the game. I believe yeah. that it could come out this year. I, I, I think they had plenty of time. And uh, I, I mean, I'd be interested to see if they try a tone change. That would be kind of fresh. I would be really surprised, but yes, pleasantly surprised if that happened, uh, yeah. because we've been complaining about this for a while, and it just doesn't seem to budge Polyphony at all. Yeah, I think I think Polyphony considers its sterility to be basically its brand. Yeah, he may be right. Because here's yeah, I think that's thing. a feature, not a bug, to them. That might be. Here's another thing about it too, and I will give them props for this: is that there are now, I believe, two drivers who started out in esports for Gran Turismo who are now real race drivers. In fact, the first guy who did it, he's like one of the best real drivers in the world right now. And he learned how to drive playing Gran Turismo. So, you know, when we talk about, you know, it's a rigid simulation, it is. And uh, some people absolutely love it for that. It's so much of a simulation that it can be used as a tool to help people become real professional drivers. So, you know, again, it's one of those different strokes for different folks type things. It's not for me. It's not for Matt. It's probably not for Mitch. But there's obviously a ton of people out there that love exactly what it offers. And they would probably be 
pissed off if they changed it to what we're asking for. I hate to say it. Yeah. But they, well, I mean, I don't want it to be more of a an arcade game. But yeah. I, just want, I just want them to like wake up a little bit, you know, like like acknowledge that cars are fun. Yeah. Like the, you know, that's that's the thing that Forza has over them in terms of tone and presentation is they acknowledge it like, yeah, this stuff's fun. Like it's not just, you know, there's a lot of math and, and science to it, but it's not just that. There's also like being out on the road and like enjoying like your favorite car. And like, you know, it's, it captures that, you know, Forza captures that as well as it captures sort of the competition and the, and the tuning idea. And it's not as detailed a simulation as GT, as GT is because polyphony, that's polyphony's bread and butter. Um, but I, I don't think being like a, a really detailed simulation, like, precludes also like having some fun with it in terms of like presenting oh, yeah, it and talking about how like awesome some of these things are and how cool it is. I yeah. think the, I, I think the thing, Matt, you actually almost hit it was I think the thing that helps her uh, Forza is they have two different versions. They have Forza, regular Forza, which is more of a simulator and they have horizon, which is a little more fun and it kind of mixes it up for people so that it's not feeling like it's the same tone all the time when you look at a Forza game. Yeah, but I'm not even talking about Horizon. I'm just talking about motor motorsport. Horizon's a completely different thing. Yeah, like, Horizon's an arcade racing game. Yeah, Horizon is just like a fun spinoff. Like I'm just purely talking about the motorsport main series. Like they have more verve and more celebration of being a car fan in those games than GT has in its in one of them than GT has in its entire series combined. So that to me is like if I'm going to play a more simmy driving game, it's going to be something that has that verve to it and isn't just like a series of menus with a really detailed sim propping it up, propping them up. Um, yeah, and I think Sony is, I don't think it's just polyphony. Like Sony's driving games in general have had that problem. I think drive club had a similar problem where like, I just didn't feel any personality out of it. Like it, it was just sort of there and, uh, it is a shame that Sony pulled the plug on Drive Club as hard as they did because I think there was potential there, but um, I don't know what I don't know what happened there. Like Drive Club seemed like a fine companion piece considering the GT comes out so so rarely, um, but yeah, that's gone and you can't even buy it on the store anymore. But who knows? Yep. Um, and someone in the chat, Wampler thirteen, brings up a good point that Forza Motorsport Eight will be on Game Pass. So yeah. <laughs> Sales won't matter for that game like it does for uh, Gran Turismo 7. So anyway, that's the latest update on Gran Turismo. It sounds like Mitch and Matt think it probably will come this year. I would be surprised if it does, um, but not shocked uh, because there has been enough time. Hopefully Polyphony has learned its lesson with uh, tightening up its development mm -hmm. schedules because it's been an issue for a long, long time. So we'll see. We shouldn't have to wait, like Matt said earlier, we shouldn't have to wait much longer to find out. Um, they should be talking about it here in the next couple months if it indeed is coming yeah. for the at end the, of the year. We're running out of time. There's only, what, four months left until launch, basically, of PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X? So. Four or five, really. I mean, assume you're going to be late October, early November. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah. And, and, I mean, Sony's supposed to have their, their blowout thing in, in July, so if it doesn't show up by that July event, I'm going to guess there's nothing there. But uh, yep. if it is there, we'll hear about it by then. Yep. Okay, let's move on. We're going to talk, as Matt hinted at earlier, we're going to talk about another old franchise uh, that is, we think, in development. We'll find out. Uh, rumors have been swirling for a couple weeks now that there is a Silent Hill reboot in the works about a week ago. Um, Konami went on the record and said, that's hogwash. That is absolutely not happening. No, they said that. They said that long ago. 
Yeah, well, they just did it again, actually. Did it again? Because the first yeah. time they denied it was like we were still doing stuff in the studio. Yep. Like they've yep. been denying this for a long time. And I have been saying, sure, for a long time. You may have noticed. Yep. And so this week, a generally reliable source of Japanese game information said, no, no, no. I'm right. It's coming. Not only is it coming, it's being developed by Sony's Tokyo Studio. So it's an in-house first-party game. And they brought back the original director from the first game. And Akira Yamaoka is creating the soundtrack for the game. I mean, that is Silent Hill fans' wet dream right there. Um, it's the trifecta. You have the power of Sony first party developing it. And then you have the creative people that you would want to be on the project helming the project. So if these rumors are true, this is some big, big news. Matt, what do you think the probability is that this is true, knowing Konami very, very well? 100%. Yeah. I, I am completely true. sure and have been for a very long time that this is a real thing. So, yep. yeah, take that I for what it's it worth. Too. What do you want, though, from a reboot of Silent Hill? I mean, that's a good question. I was gathering B-roll for this and, like, you know, Downpour. I watched a bunch of footage for Downpour. And <laughs> it's just like, this is not Silent Hill, basically. No. Here's a th I, I don't know. Like, it, it may be too late. Like, Silent Hill may just be those first three games and a whole bunch of garbage piled on top of it. And that's the end of it. Like, you know, I don't know if you can really recapture that lightning in the bottle, even with those original creatives on it and with the power, you know, you'd hope that Sony would be able to kind of be in there. It's like, all right, make something good. Like, cause you know, Konami being in charge, I'm sure is part of the problem of why that, you know, they just want something that they can slap the Silent Hill name on and make it look like Silent Hill. And by the time you buy it and realize, Oh wait, this is crap. It's too late. They got your money. Um, so with this, I, I, I probably a better chance of it being something good because of who's, you know, steering a ship. But, um, like, I don't know, like Silent Hill, like also I have very little patience with like horror games these days. Like I just find them tedious most of the time. Um, Silent Hill might be the thing that would be, if you do it right, that would like really be able to pull me back into something like that. But again, I don't even know what you do anymore with that. Cause I still think two is the best and you can never really do two again, because one of the reasons two is interesting because it was like a, is a complete shift. Right. Yeah, I think two is the most interesting and, and the best because it was not related to the cult storyline that one and three deal with, which is good, but like the cult is not as interesting as the town. And Silent Hill two sort of taking I mean, the town premise. I mean, that's why it's premise, called Silent Hill. Right? <laughs> Silent Hill taking the, <laughs> the town, town premise and being like, okay, well, we told this cult story in the first game, but in this game, we're just going to have some other unrelated dude with horrible backstory problems. Um, come into this town, we're going to see what this town does in response to him or what it does to him once it's lured him in, one of the, one or the other. Um, and I remember when that came out and I thought that, and I also did a bunch of interview stuff for that game. I did, you know, that was the first like real like interview, interviews I produced were all Silent Hill 2 things and that kind of thing. I learned Started how off to, with a bang, Kyle. Yeah, I learned how to produce, uh, you know, you know, interview segments on that game, basically. Uh -huh. With, uh, 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 Takayoshi Sato and all those guys from Konami and um, the so the experience was was positive but like one of the things they talked about was like how shifting off and sort of making making the series more about almost an anthology of like people that come to this town was a much more interesting idea to me than going back to 
the Harry story with uh, the cult story with Silent Hill 3, although that was a very good game. I really like a game. I gave it a five out of five when I reviewed it. But the most interesting take on Silent Hill is like taking different people and putting them in this pressure cooker of a, of a crazy town and seeing what comes out psychologically. And they've tried to do that in subsequent games, like Downpour was like that and Homecoming was like that. And like they, and it just never worked again. Um, so I don't know what this is going to be, is if it's going to be a full remake of the first Silent Hill, like that would be fine with me more or less. Um, is it going to be a new take on things? I don't know, you know Rebirth, the, the rumored title is Silent Hill Rebirth. That could mean just about anything. Um, I'm interested to see what they come up with. I'm interested to see what it looks like. I mean, don't, are you kind of pointing to the fact that rebooting the first game is the right call? Maybe. I mean, certainly. <laughs> I think it is very crude. I mean, that's part of its charm as well, is that how kind of how blocky the character models are and how muddy the visuals are. Yeah. I think well, it, also remember it that at the, to it. at the time, it was almost, it was very impressive. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, course. yeah, the, the fog was hiding the fact that the draw distance was about 10 feet. But, Literally like 10 feet. <laughs> but the fact that you were playing a Resident Evil style horror game where the camera could move yeah, was a big deal. revolutionary. Like the fact that the camera could like fly around and tilt through the alleys with you and stuff was, you know, that was like what I wanted all that time. I hate static camera back, pre-rendered background stuff and always have. And so the fact that it freed the camera up to really be part of the cinematic experience was great. And then Silent Hill 2 is just the pinnacle of, of all that stuff. Um, if if a remake of Silent Hill 1 gets me a remake of Silent Hill 2, yes, go ahead and do that. <laughs> um, so, but, but like beyond that, like, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know if those, do those games work in today's market? Do they, does anyone care? Like, if there's no open world and facial capture motorcycle riding, does anyone bother? Like, I don't know. Um, I'll almost certainly play it. When I it think it'll out. be a big story regardless. Yeah, um, yeah. There's, look, there's a lot of people who, have never played a good Silent Hill game because That's they started true. they started playing games like after the good ones came out. Mitch, what does even Silent if they Hill played the HD collection, you still haven't played a good one because those were terrible. Like, yeah, Mitch, what uh, Silent Hill games have you played? Uh, I I play the first one. I still have the okay. original version on PS One. Okay. So you um, have played them then? I have played them. And uh, Matt, to answer your question, they had said it was a soft reboot. So it sounds like it, they could be just going back to Silent Hill with the new character, mm. and then that could mean like it could mean anything. Like I said, yeah. it could mean anything. It could, and I, I think um, I think playing with the town would be. I think the appealing thing for me with Silent Hill is the actual town itself, and having that town transform between dimensions. I think is the most interesting part about that series. So I think as long as they go back to the town as a start, if they're rebooting it that's what you need to do and and i think the always centering the character around one person and uh another a small group of cast is really important as well and i think as long as they have those elements and then they have all the other fog and all that kind of stuff they got it like that's all why wouldn't do. konami do this it's a no-brainer you're not all you're doing with silent hill right now is releasing pachinko machines um why not sign a deal where you get royalties and the game's going to turn out great? You know it is. It's a first-party Sony game. It's only going to help your IP. So if you decide after PlayStation makes this one game, sign the deal for one game. And if the IP suddenly explodes, then the IP that you can still make games for is suddenly far more valuable. So I can't see any reason why Konami would not do this unless... It, in fact, has a Silent Hill game under development internally, which I would be 
shocked if that were the case. I mean, we saw what they did with Metal Gear. So um, I'm hoping Konami learned its lesson. It was like, you know what? Some of these IPs probably better if somebody else tackled these than us because they just don't have... They don't have the staff to make games like this anymore. So and they clearly not, don't have any interest in, in staffing up to do that. Yeah. So, I, so it, it's a no, to me, it's a no brainer for both sides. It makes too much sense. <laughs> Let's be honest. Silent Hill is a PlayStation IP. Everybody associates Silent Hill with PlayStation. It was one of the big horror games for the PlayStation one. And then I think it was exclusive up until four. Is that right? Uh, Silent Hill 2 had an Xbox version. Oh, that's right. Uh, that's Restless right. Dreams, but it that's was right. not great. Like, yeah, there were some weird Resident tech Evil. problems there. I would argue Resident Evil is more of an exclusive to PlayStation because it had the first three games. Yeah, all in the same system. Yep. yep. There was, I mean, there was a huge controversy and screaming on the internet when Code Veronica was a Dreamcast game. Oh, yeah. Oh, people lost it. <laughs> it was a huge deal. I mean, so they're like, was, oh, Resident Evil fans yeah. are like, I got to buy a Dreamcast to play Resident Evil now. And it's like, yeah, it's just like when Final Fantasy left Nintendo for PlayStation yeah. 1. Or Same Tomb thing. Raider went to out. Xbox. Like, yeah. that was a big issue. Or Sonic goes everywhere. <laughs> you can mm-hmm. go on and on. Hey, uh, JM Rain 99 and uh, Sound Wizard are going at it again with free subs. Thank you guys. Thanks for uh, giving subs to a bunch of our people in the chat. That is awesome. Thank you very much. Um, any closing comments on a Silent Hill reboot from either of you? I mean, I guess bring it on. Like, yeah. I'm glad to see anything Konami-related survive. Uh, and maybe if this does well, you can do Silent Hill 2, and maybe Sony could look at the Castlevania franchise. Yeah. Give that the God of War treatment at some point. Imagine that. Yeah. Imagine if this does crack the door open for something like that, where PlayStation does a first-party take on Castlevania. Yeah. That'd be huge. And I think the one thing that makes me feel confident about this is not only it's a first-party for Sony, also... Studio Japan or, or the studio working on it has worked on so many different kind of games and they never really missed. Like they've mm-hmm. done Unfinished Swan, they've done they worked on the Lost Guardian a bit with Team Ico, they've done Bloodborne, they've done many different kinds of games mm-hmm. and haven't seemed to falter. So I with that track record along with the people working on it, I'm confident they could do it. I would say this though. I would say that studio is is on the lower end of Sony's first party stable of studios. Um, then I think PlayStation knows that because it typically gives that studio a lot of times like these small projects. Um, like some, they did a lot of stuff for PlayStation VR. Um, they've worked on the Ape Escape franchise, which has never been a mainstream franchise. Well, how many um, of these guys are like also from the Siren team? That's true. Like, you don't know. Yeah, who knows? I mean, it could be a completely different team. They could have just yeah. completely rehired. We don't really know. So um, the bottom line is PlayStation will not release a first party game until it's really, really good. And that's really all I need to worry about. So um, it's a match made in heaven. It's a perfect combo and uh, hopefully it ends up being true and we get to play a good silent hill here in the next year or two um that's the other thing too it probably is at least a couple years away so don't get too excited about it there's a long wait coming i imagine all right we're gonna move on we're gonna talk next about a remaster um a remaster that i am really surprised at the response it's been getting and that is saints row the third remastered now it's a good it was a good game when it came out. It wasn't mm-hmm. it wasn't excellent. It was a 7.58 ish type game, um, but it provided something completely different. Um, 
it was even more outlandish than Grand Theft Auto. I mean, it's you got to really. Grand, it was for people who thought Grand Theft Auto was too stiff and stodgy. Yeah, and which, for most people, they, they would never even think that about Grand Theft Auto. No, but most people don't think critically about anything. I mean, Grand Theft Auto has been stuck in a rigid rut of, of certain things for a very long time. And part of what Saints Row's the interesting part is of Saints Row has always been. It's like, what if GTA, except we wanted you to have fun. Yeah. Um, instead of having to make it happen in weird way. Also, like, what if GTA but controls didn't suck? Um, you didn't have to hammer the A button to run all the time. Yeah. Um, all those contrivances. There, there's some elements to it that like always made sense in terms. I think they they lost the thread with Agents of Mayhem. Um, but like, Saints Row was kind of shaping up to be like sort of a direct not competitor because no one's a competitor to GTA, but like. An alternative. It was. Yeah. It was at least sort of like um, GTA's like foul, even more foul mouthed, dirty ass cousin, and uh, it was fun because of that. Yep. Um, I most of what I remember from Saints Row the Third are the naughty jokes. Um, mm -hmm. The actual game itself, I remember it was passable. Um, it, I, but passable in a lot of ways was better than GTA back then because. I think one thing that GTA still struggles with is getting the gunplay feeling right. Uh, some mm -hmm. people hate the driving in Grand in uh, Grand Theft Auto. I'm not one of them. It's it has a very specific driving model, and when you get used to it, it's great. But it does take a little while to get used to. But people regularly rag on the driving controls in Grand yeah. Theft Auto. Well, GTA doesn't. Um, GTA's driving model doesn't meet you halfway. Like yeah. you have to adjust to it. Yeah, yeah. It's not. There's not a lot of uh, assists and things like mm -hmm. that to kind of help get you over the hump. Uh, so in my opinion, even way back when this game first launched, the driving and the shooting in this game were superior to what you got in Grand Theft Auto. Um, now the writing, to me, not quite there, but the subject matter goes so far beyond what even Grand Theft Auto is willing to tackle that it still managed to kind of have its own charm. Um, I never cared about the characters much, never hated them, but never really cared about them. Now, this is the this is the point at which I actually do start to care about a couple of the characters. Like I like Kinsey, um, I like uh, some of the new guys they bring in basically in this. I like the the Decker guy that becomes one of your your main people. Here's the thing, like because um, like Saints Row One was a pretty straight, although slightly more kind of user friendly GTA ripoff. Saints Row Two went a little crazier and got a little raunchier and like was like blew things up a little bit more. Saints Row 3 is where they just started being like, fuck it. They like, don't let's care. Go. Yeah. Like, there's You're right giant... though. The first couple entries, they really did try they to... They played it moderately of... straight. Yeah. But, like this did. is like, there's giant clone monsters. There's like a Matrix sequence. There's like, you know, it's like, yeah. like there's, they're going, you know, you get, you know, the, the current one, the new one, like the, the was originally like D DLC and stuff. You get like a VTOL jet. Like it, it's, it, it just goes crazy, like, and 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 like you're kind of you kind of acknowledge your 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 character is sort of like invincible. Like people like kind of re refer, refer to the fact that you that your character, the boss, is like, wow, you're really hard to kill. It's, it's like, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I, but like, yeah, I don't get the the character love that like the game seems to tie into is not doesn't reflect how I felt. Like like this game really thinks you're supposed to love Johnny Gat. And and Johnny Gat's uh, early death in this is mourned for like two straight games, and I'm like, 
he wasn't that interesting. Like I, I, I don't, I don't know who liked him that much, and I don't even think the characters in the game liked him all that much, other than maybe his sister. Yeah. But like, so that was a little weird. Like they, but that might also be part of that. You never know with this game. That might be part of the satire. Is like the idea that all these guys are just like super upset that this like assholes dead is yeah. like it might be well the there's joke. like there's gat out of hell like right well saints row 4 which goes really crazy just you know aliens destroy the planet and everything's done in the matrix and you bring johnny gat back to life through the through the alien ship like that has captured him and then like the gat out of hell thing explains that he was dead but he fought his way back through hell to come back to life <laughs> and then you rescued him from an alien spaceship i mean uh, here's and like here's the thing is like i my favorite game in the series is four like i think um the, the crazy like matrix alien fighting game is way cooler than this, which I think is because uh, th- what I've noticed in a lot of the reviews of this is like, Oh, this is the best one because it was still, you know, there was the balance between like a GTA game and like the crazy sci-fi. No, like fuck the balance. Like I want to get into the crazy sci-fi shit. I want to be able to fly, yeah. jump 40, 40 miles and like throw fireballs at things. And this is cool. Like I enjoy this, uh, this game, but it ain't no four. Like it, it's it's just sort of like a like a stepping stone to the really good one, which is already on next gen systems. But we're not remastered or you know upresed nearly as well as this one was. Yeah, talk about that. Talk about how good the remaster is. Have they tweaked anything else other than the visuals? Um, I mean, they haven't tweaked much that I've seen other than like including all the DLC. Obviously, um, it is the only uh, well, until now it was the only Saints Row game you couldn't play on Xbox One. Because um, four and Gat Out of Hell have modern versions. Agents of Mayhem was obviously a current gen game, and one and two are backwards compatible. If you have the old 360 game, um, and like so, it's nice to have the series complete on you know the modern Xbox. Um, mostly, they just revamped the visuals completely. But it was it's not just an upres. I think they rebuilt a lot of this. They remodeled like, some stuff. The, like the whole I, like everything you can tell, they like based it on the original game. But it's different. Every hmm. single texture is different. Every single model is a little cleaner. Every like even if like damage on walls, you'll see like and, and Digital Foundry does a side by side comparison on this, um, where you can see even just like damage, like incidental damage you'd never notice on a wall, looks this roughly the same in terms of shape. But like on like they completely redrew it all. They completely redid everything on this. And there's huge amounts of HDR. Uh, they did they did a big HDR pass on this thing. Changed all the lighting. Uh, I do think it's a little dark. Um, it can be hard to see. I've had to readjust. I've had to adjust the brightness on the HDR settings like seven or eight times to try oh, to get. And like, and like every time I think I got it right, I end up in a darker area than I've ever been in before, and I can't see the enemies again. So I keep messing with it. I think I've got it now. Um, I, I'm always worried about blowing out the detail too much by turning things up, but I've got it way up, and I think it's about where it should be. And I can see stuff in dark areas, but it's not blown out. And like in the light. And during the day, it's not blown up. I can still see detail. It's just I've never had a game on either console that I had to tweak so much on the HDR to get to look right on my on my system. I, it's very unusual. Um, How does it, it run? How's the frame rate? Runs okay. Uh, you have there's two options on it. You have a uh, by default it has a locked frame rate of thirty, um, but you can turn the frame rate cap off and it'll try oscillate between. <laughs> it'll try to be sixty as much as it can. Um, it does drop sort of, into, but I, from what I've seen outside of a couple things that were like really busy, it doesn't drop below like mid fifties much. Oh, okay. Like it's actually, Fine. it's not solid. Like you can see the drops semi regularly, but on Xbox One's One X, like it's might it's close enough to sixty that I've left the frame rate cap off, and usually that kind of thing. But you know, 
six, I don't care about 60 versus 30 so much as I care about steady. Yeah. Um, and if something's fluctuating in frame rate too much, I will always switch to a cap usually. Um, but this has been fine. Like I, I, I'd rather, you know, it gets up there close to 60, close enough and often enough that I feel it's better without the, the frame rate cap on. Mitch, um, what's your experience with Saints Row? Do you have any? Uh, no, I've just seen the advertisements for it. I've always, I've always. Why seen have it. you never given it a go? Uh, it's because I mean I always have to choose uh, it because you know before covering games I only have so many options to pick from my money in my wallet. So yep. it's usually GTA is always a, a staple that you must get, and so I just never felt like I needed to get this one because of the similarities. But I always will always remember the dildo bat. <laughs> I was going to um, ask you, are you sure was, it wasn't the four foot dildo yeah, that turned you yeah. off? <laughs> uh, and then uh, <laughs> that's I, funny I, that you when, mentioned it. Yeah, when I look at it, I always think of it as a parody game. Like the parody yeah, yeah. to Grand I mean, Theft yeah. Auto. That's like sure. exactly how I see it. It's, it's just yeah. backed up and crazy. Um, for how good this remaster looks, it is really tempting to pick up. Matt, how much is the remaster? 40. 40 bucks. Um, but they're uh, pretty big games. Yeah. I mean, it'll, it'll last you a while. Uh, it's very repetitive. There's only so many things to do in it. And it's very... My main thing is that like with, with 3 and 4 suffers from it too, but I think that... They, activities are more interesting like that's the thing is like the, a big bulk of the game's time is spent on what are called activities which are like repetitive um missions that are the same thing like there's no story to them you're just going you know the first one you do is a story driven thing where pierce shows you how this activity works and then you're just supposed to go do the other ones and they have very difficulties yeah. and rewards um but you, you get to the point where you're like okay like i've done the insurance fraud thing enough for one game, but not but like insurance fraud is where you uh, you go out in the street and you're supposed to run at oncoming cars and like hit the trigger so you go you go ragdoll basically and you get money for how how many times you get hit and how badly you're hurt and the idea is to sort of bounce around from car to car and like you can rack up crazy amounts of money doing that uh, to like then which you don't get to keep but it's like a it's like a uh, you have to get a target number for the insurance fraud. Um, and that was more entertaining nine years ago when ragdolling was more of a new thing. And now it's just sort of like, yeah, I get, I get it. I get it. Yeah. I, I, I think um, this game worked better before four blew the doors off all the nonsense and went completely insane with things. Um, I just appreciate where four went with it and get out of hell was similar. Um, uh, I do think saints row three saints row the third does hold up better than agents of mayhem does. Um, Agents of Mayhem is already so yeah I've gone back to that a couple times and it's just like wow this is not I'm surprised you pulled that out of the hat I had completely forgotten about that game well I I actually still have that installed and go back to it periodically oh really it's a nice brainless like run around shoot things while I have something else on sort of thing interesting Um, and it is Saint, it is part of the series like it is it is Saints Row yeah it's canon it's, it's an alternate timeline of the universe and in which I mean that's the funny thing going back to three is like I'd forgotten a lot of the characters because like you say they're not especially memorable except for a few of the ones that are carried forward into uh, four and um, I was like oh yeah that character's a guy he became the guy in Ancients of Mayhem who's this it's like, it's like oh the right. Burke, yeah. Burke becomes Hollywood or like that yeah. like, you know which I didn't I'm, you know, I'm not I'm not as steeped in the Saints Row lore to have picked up on a lot of that from Agents of Mayhem but yeah, Agents of Mayhem is based on an alternate universe that you encounter briefly in, in Get Out of Hell and uh, in the multidimensional rift tripping you do in that game, um, which is, I can see why they thought that was a cool idea, but like I think it's time for a new Saints Row, and the rumors say 
that this remaster is in part testing the water for their new Saints Row project, um, which would explain why they put so much effort into it because they there is a lot of work put in for a nine-year-old game that wasn't exactly... It didn't set the world for. on fire yeah. when it was released. It did yeah, this okay. is almost on the level of like, oh, you're you're remastering Voodoo Vince. Yeah, okay. a little bit. Hmm. Yeah, not quite that bad. Not, not that low, but at the very least, it's like, okay, you're remastering all the Destroy All Humans games. Like, who asked for that? I mean, I'm glad to have this. Um, I'm I'm still a little confused. But like, do you I'm recommend anybody buy it? And if and if so, who? Um, I mean, if you like open world GTA kind of crimey, shooty, profanity laden things, like this is about as crazy as it gets without going full sci fi nonsense like four does. I prefer the sci fi nonsense, but if uh, you know, if you if you want something just sort of like that does not take any of it seriously, just like goes completely balls to the wall, like hey, violence is fun and we're just going to kill people, like that's what this series is. And um, you either dig it or you don't. Forty bucks is a pretty steep entry fee for something that you've never encountered before. Like I feel like if you're a big fan of Saints Row or you've you've liked these games in the past, forty bucks is a pretty good price for this one. Um, but as an entry, like I don't know. Like I'm kind of torn between this will be probably pretty cheap on Black Friday. And what else are you playing right now? Right. You know, like it's yeah. like it's like it's a I mean, drought. That's just so the conundrum we're under right now in general. Yeah, it's like a drought. About- so like it's not a bad time to drop forty bucks on the re- a, a well done remaster of a nine year old pretty good game. I, there are three games we're talking about specifically in this episode, and I believe all three of them fall into that same discussion of. Well, there's not a whole lot else available right now, mm-hmm. so you might want to consider this. I so. mean, this is of the three, this is probably the best one, like just objectively speaking, in terms of how well made something is. I think Saints Row 3 is probably the best of the three we're talking about today, not to give away the next topic, but like, um, it's just, it's a good game. It's good. It's not going to set my world on fire, it doesn't change your life, but uh, I enjoy it. I enjoy the series. Uh, I'm glad to have it like, you know, in the install queue, like next to uh, between its brothers two and four. And uh, if it means that Saints Row is finally coming back next gen, like I'm I'm into it. Like I I, I like the Saints Row games a lot and I I hope they find their path again after sort of the Agents of Mayhem misfire. My my only thing I want to just quickly say is I would uh, I wish this came out two weeks ago. Like last (laughs) week wasn't soon enough because this week we have... Mortal Kombat. I'm about Aftermath to go play after today. today. Yeah. Uh, on Friday is Xenoblade. That thing's huge, and for someone like me that hasn't played it, I'm looking forward to play it. So yeah, definitely don't skip Xenoblade a... for this. No, it's definitely <laughs> yeah. A good well, point. the good news is that's a Switch exclusive, so and for the most part, there's going to be two separate audiences. There is my guess, but yeah, but so you're I just right. wish yeah, it was two don't. weeks sooner. <laughs> that's all. Yeah, yeah, we could have used this earlier in May. That's true. Yeah, but you're for forty bucks, you are going to get 30, 40 hours of play out of it so at it's least. a pretty it's yeah. a at least so it's a pretty good deal and it is something a little different so definitely something worth considering for most adult players at least it does have something that i i thought was funny because i it just doesn't happen much anymore um because it, it was it, this game's old enough to have been part of that trend where there were like you know choices to be made at the end of each act and like you could either like blow the thing up or keep the thing for more money mm-hmm. uh, and it affected how your your you know, your the characters reacted to you. It has achievements for either decision. Mm. So like so you, you have to get them do all it twice. You- <laughs> like, so you have to either play the game again or keep a save before 
that. that and like, that's a it was just that trend that like tons of games did that like back then in that in that period time period until everybody would kind of wise up. It's like, oh, everyone hates that. So yeah. we should just let you repeat whatever you want to repeat. Yep. Tiny2K, thank you for gifting all the subs to the community, man. You guys are awesome. Looks like he gifted 10 subs to our community. Yeah. Amazing. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about PlayStation Plus, uh, something that I believe has been raked over the coals for the last, I don't know, I guess around it. Has it been a full year now since they stopped? Yeah, I'd doing? say. Yeah, about a year. So, so about a year ago, Sony... PlayStation Plus used to be amazing. You would literally get like five free games a month spread out across PS4, PS3, and Vita. And then around a year ago, Sony was like, okay, we're going to stop giving away as many games. And truth be told, you know, a couple of the platforms were pretty much dead or dying anyway. Yeah, you, I mean, I guess you could just give away a Vita game every month until you run out of Vita games, but like... Yeah, but... What bothered people was that, okay, we get it. There really aren't games for Vita or PS3 to give us anymore, but replace those with PS4 games. And that is not what Sony did. Instead, Sony just kept giving the same number of PS4 Pro games every month. And in some cases, those games were not great. However, that appears to be changing for June. And so... I wanted to talk, take a couple different angles with this. One, talk about the games that are coming to play PlayStation Plus in June, but also the timing, why it's happening now. So first off, it's already been confirmed that Call of Duty World War II will be a PlayStation Plus free game for June. And then just following up on that, uh, on the, I believe it's the European PlayStation Store, Marvel's Spider-Man showed up as free the other day. It was noticed, and then it was immediately removed. And so people believe that Insomniac's amazing Marvel Spider-Man is going to be another free game for June. So you have Call of Duty World War II and Marvel's Spider-Man. One, do you think it's true, Matt? Um, well, World War II, if Vince is saying, is already available for it. Um, so sure, like that seems like a good game to get, not pay for. Yeah. And um, Spider-Man, maybe. I mean, maybe they heard the the outcry and were like, oh, all right, you want something good here? Because I mean, Spider-Man's done. Like they've sold what they're going to sell. Probably. Um, you're coming up on uh, you're coming up on two years. Um, so we'll, you know, uh, I mean, I don't think the license is going to expire or anything. Um, but like coming up on two years, you're, you're sort of at the end of the life of that game. And they, uh, you know, after two years was when Metal Gear Solid five became a PlayStation plus, uh, giveaway. So it's not impossible. Um, be a really good move, be a good choice, like get some positive buzz, get some people playing a really good PlayStation game right before you announce the new system and maybe, uh, maybe the new sequel for this one. Have um, they released all the DLC for Spider-Man at this oh, point? Oh yeah, long it's ago. It's all done. Okay. Yeah. So they there's really no incentive for them to not do it at this point. No. And uh it's also, I mean, I would definitely say uh it's the biggest PlayStation Plus giveaway game ever. Oh yeah. Heck, like, I mean, some people might argue that Call of Duty World War II is, but that's the point. Is that you're getting mm-hmm. both of these quite possibly in the same month. And look, Sony's not paying a pittance for Modern Warfare 2. That's a huge game to get and give away for free. So Sony's putting some 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 clams down with Activision for that to happen. Sony Why? wants to keep that uh, early DLC deal rolling into the PS5 era. That could be true. Um, 
But Matt, do you see this as a harbinger of something else? Maybe uh, the fact that Sony is maybe trying to ramp up for PlayStation Five and get people interested in the platform. Why do you think all of a sudden it's decided to be so generous with the free games? No, well, I think it's with with Call of Duty. I think it's mainly because they want to keep say on Activision's good side. Because as you've said before, the generation is kind of when Activision makes that decision. Yep. Um, for who, which platform gets to be the lead on, yeah. on you know, who gets the DLC early and that kind of thing. And Xbox Series X has been snapping a lot of that stuff yeah. up so far, too. Yes, it That's has. another thing. Yeah. And so I think it's partly that. I think it's partly like this is the closest thing Sony has to Game Pass. Um, I know people, you know, PlayStation Now is ostensibly that, but when it really comes down to it, this is where you're going to get the actual experience that closest to pro- most, most closely approximates Game Pass, where you download a game for free as part of a subscription situation, and those games tend to be very high-profile or should be very high-profile um, desirable releases. Big difference um, here, obviously, is that... Not day and date, obviously. It stays in your library with right. PlayStation Plus, where you know Xbox Game Pass is a rotating... Can rotate. Yeah. Like, but, you know, I mean, it feels like like in the equivalent situation, like, you know, Microsoft's first party stuff generally doesn't rotate out much. Yeah. Um, with rare exceptions. So it feels like no pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> but um, it's uh, so that's the closest I think I would get to it is like, you know, and also I'm sure, you know, they've heard the criticism of the last year of how PlayStation Plus is less of a, a value. And they because they, I also you know, I think, yeah, it sucks that they took away the previous generation title releases. My main issue, I didn't really expect them to start giving me more PS4 games just because they stopped putting up free Vita games. Um, my problem has been the games have sucked. Yeah, like they've been the game, terrible. They, they've yeah, really dropped in quality and dropped in value. And like they you know, used to get stuff like Metal Gear Solid 5. And look, much as I hate Detroit, Detroit is a much better get on something like that than like some weird indie game that I've only seen twice. Yeah. Pop through my mentions. Um, plus, you know, a Call of Duty game and a Spider-Man game is like, yeah, that's great. Like that's more like what you should be giving me, you know, especially because... Exactly. The, t- the time has the, the time has elapsed. If I was going to buy Spider Man, I'd, I'd have bought it by now. It's been fourteen bucks periodically. Um, now is the, the only way to get any lower than that is to give it to me for free. So there it is. I mean, obviously, I bought it when it came out because I'm a Marvel fan. But like, well, I think it makes a it, lot of sense. If you look at it, Nintendo Online costs twenty bucks a month. Um, Xbox Live and PSN cost sixty bucks a month. So you're spending an extra forty dollars above and beyond. What, let's say what you're paying to play games online. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you start looking at some of the stuff that PlayStation Plus, because look, where else are you going to get that value from? You're going to get it from those free games. That's where it's supposed to come from. So they're not really free. You are paying for them at a steep discount. So I feel like, you know, over the last 12 months, PlayStation has kind of just reneged on the contract for that 60 bucks that we've been paying them. I don't feel like I'm getting that value out of it anymore. However, June looks like it could make me feel a whole lot better about the situation. Well, except you already have those games. But yeah, I don't care. But I'm saying if I'm just <laughs> a general customer and yeah. I'm someone who's been watching this for the last 12 months and I've been getting this crap for my subscription price, this might make you forget mm. about the last eight months where you were kind of getting shafted. Yeah, I think Spider-Man also, like, it doesn't compete with Last of Us 2. Um mm-hmm. You know, it's like it's uh, it's not M rated. It's something a little more family friendly. So, like the big Sony's big game of the month is like kind of the mature, you know, tentpole game. Uh, this sort of gives you something else to do if that's not something that you are interested in, or if you're trying to if you got kids in the house. Like I know, like I got I got one friend who really would like the, the quarantine to end soon so he can play Last of Us two in peace without children running around because his wife doesn't want the children to see you know 
Ellie virtually murder people like <laughs> the entire time. Um, and you think uh, that this might be a ploy though to get people into the whole system before the big games come out over the next two months. You got the Last of Us Part Two, and then you have Ghost of Tsushima right yeah. after that. I mean, I, well, I think it's also like you know, it's all. I think it's all part of the synergy of. We got big games coming on PS Plus. We got big games coming on the actual retail release schedule. We're going to announce like the lineup for our new system. We're like finally showed the new system with that Unreal demo. Now we're going to talk about our first party lineup in June or July. Like it's you know if you can kind of turn this summer into like there everywhere you look there's a reason to be hyped about PlayStation. Like that's a pretty good win, especially because Xbox doesn't have that. Like Xbox is yeah. going to have the events to reveal the new lineup and the new system and stuff. But what does Xbox have in terms of actually like look at the system you own right now and what do you want to play on it? Like yeah. Sony's got that like in the bag if they're going to be you know, both in the release schedule and if they can program the PlayStation Plus releases to also be something desirable for someone who can't or doesn't want to spend sixty bucks on a new. Game game right now like that's a that's an effective strategy to me for sure absolutely um Erebus jones is saying in chat is it really generous if everybody has already bought it um the last i saw it looked like spider-man had sold just north of 10 million somewhere around there um there are way more playstation 4s than 10 million like five yeah. times that so uh, there's a lot of people out there that own ps4s that don't have spider-man in fact the vast majority of people who own ps4s don't have it yeah so. and i mean that's also about the same amount of, uh, of copies that um grand turismo sold exactly they gave, they gave that away too right so yeah. um but you're uh, I, th- thir- I think 13.2 million copies as of august in 2019 yeah. So still, just tens of millions of PS4 owners. Yeah, there's plenty of people that never plop down for that game yet. So yeah. So there is a lot of value in this, and I do tend to think that this is kind of the first step towards this ramping up process of PlayStation going. Okay, we'll kick it off with this uh, big June for PlayStation Plus. So we'll get some people back on the platform. There's not a lot of games coming out. We need something to get them back on the platform. Get them back on there. Start marketing the crap out of The Last of Us Part Two to them. That comes out, they buy that. We start marketing the crap out of uh, Ghost of Tsushima to them. Then they buy that. Then they roll right into PlayStation 5. So it does appear that Sony could have a master plan to get people back into the PlayStation ecosystem just in time for PlayStation 5. Regardless, I don't really care what Sony's motivation is as long as it's giving us these free games, um, this level of free games, uh, in PlayStation Plus, I don't care why. I'm just mm-hmm. glad that they're doing it. Mitch, do you think that uh, over the last 12 months, the $60 has been worth it for PlayStation Plus? Um, no, but I think I think in the end, this is the thing that I have with PlayStation Plus, and I think the thing that people miss in the conversation altogether is PlayStation Plus only exists because Sony wanted to charge people to play online multiplayer. The only reason why they have these games is to justify saying you are going to go from free to paying for to play online. So, and, and Microsoft already had that standard before this ever happened. So, I don't feel as if they, I feel like whatever games I get out of this is bonus because the standard is paying $60 to but play online multiplayer. But you just said that you looked at only $20 worth of that is online play. Sorry, what? But you you just contradicted yourself though, because you first started talking about how you know I I only attribute X number of my sixty dollars towards online play and the rest needs to be made up with this and then no, you jumped that. in. No, yeah. I didn't say. I said the only reason why Sony is doing this is because 
they want to charge for online multiplayer. And so right. Microsoft has already set the standard of $60 for online multiplayer. So getting these games is just bonus. So to expect them to give you a huge value of something like Spider-Man for your PlayStation Plus account, that's not what it's there for. The PlayStation Plus account is to charge you to play online games. That's what it's there for. Whatever but they do, don't you with think that, since Nintendo Online launched that that perspective has changed? Because we're paying twenty bucks a year to play online on Switch. On Switch, you can't do voice chat. On Switch, there's so many things on Switch you can't do that you can. Yeah, I'm not do saying on they're the equal services. Providers. I'm just saying yeah. your example of people look at it like I'm paying X amount of dollars for online play. No, I understand that. But I think the value of what you get from something like Sony and Microsoft is much higher than what you would get in quality from something like Nintendo um, because of the features that they offer. There's only certain things you can do on Nintendo. No one's going to argue that point with yeah. you. <laughs> no, exactly. So Everybody agrees. That. Um, and then the only other thing I, I was thinking of was, you know, last time they released a big game like this on PlayStation Plus was when they announced The Last of Us 2 and put the remaster on right away. So I have a That's feeling true. they will probably announce Spider-Man 2 at their next, um, at their big thing, which is actually set for June, early June, not early July. Um, the other thing to note is that PlayStation Plus did launch in June, which means there's a lot of expiring subscriptions. That's true. That's a good point, Matt. I forgot it had launched in June, actually. Yeah, Congrim 1 mentioned expiring subscriptions, so I looked up when PlayStation Plus launched, and it was it is June 29th, 2010. And so you got to figure. I'm sure a lot of people who've had it the whole time just yeah. renew every year just because they, oh, I guess so, I guess I'll renew, and like, that's well, you got to figure every person who signed up for it on day one, all their subs are about to come due. I mean, we yeah. see it as a subscription site. Like we have most people signed up in the first week because it launched on like the fifth. So first couple days of the month, that's when everybody turns over. That's when their subscriptions turn over. Uh, and the same thing is happening for Sony on a much, much larger scale. So I could definitely see where they'd be doing this to try to incentivize people, particularly when they're on the cusp of PlayStation 5 and they're going to want people in that ecosystem anyway. So it's smart um, and it's a good value for consumers. I think everybody wins. So I think it's a good deal and good to see. Hopefully Sony keeps it up. That's the thing. Like this needs to be sustained. This shouldn't just be like, oh my gosh, we have 15 million people whose subscriptions are up in the next week. We need to do something big. This should just be the way it is um, going forward. Do I think it'll be that way? Probably not, um, but a man can hope. So if you don't have PlayStation Plus, now's a good time to get it. Like you can probably find a deal for a single month for, you know, five, ten dollars or whatever, and you can get these two great games for five or ten bucks. So it's one thing I do love about the industry and how it's evolving is how you can learn to work things like this to get really good deals. It's like that one dollar Game Pass Ultimate subscription that everyone was able to get. Like, and then it popped back up like a couple weeks ago as well. Um it's just, it's one, just being able to buy new games for cheaper a couple months later. It's just, it's way easier financially to be a gamer in 2020 than it ever has been. Um, and that's one good thing, I think, in the evolution of the industry over time. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk about money, but not money here in the U.S. We're going to talk about money in Europe. And CD Projekt Red has all of it, apparently. <laughs> this week, CD Pro, and I still can't even believe this. This week, CD Projekt Red passed Ubisoft for the most valuable gaming company in Europe. Look, we all know 
CD Projekt Red, The Witcher, uh, Cyberpunk 2077 coming up here pretty soon. We know they make great games, but I am still flabbergasted by this. I cannot believe that CD Projekt Red is more valuable right now than Ubisoft. Look, a lot of other guys, sure. Yeah, well, CD Projekt Red Ubisoft. didn't release Breakpoint. Yeah, but still, <laughs> still. I mean, you got to figure, where does CD Projekt Red's money come from? So from The Witcher, obviously, and they have managed to keep that game. Well, remember, kind of- this isn't, this isn't, how much money do they have? This is it's how the value is, of the is their perceived value right, and perceived right. value capitalization. is perceived value is imaginary. So like you've got investors that see CD project red as like, Oh my God, they're about to release what could be the biggest game of the year or maybe the next few years with cyberpunk. And meanwhile, Ubisoft investors are like Breakpoint didn't do what we thought it was going to do. And now everything they're going to release has been pushed back as a result of their course correction because of Breakpoint. Like if I'm a Ubisoft investor, I'm I'm not feeling too great about Ubisoft right now. So it makes sense that like Cyber CD Man, Project Red. Are you Red, sure that's where this is coming from? The article I'm reading right now says it's that it's market capitalization, 8.13 billion. It's not just Whatever. That seems weird to me then because uh, I don't know how much market capitalization CD Projekt could possibly have since they haven't released anything notable since 2015. Right. That's why I'm completely flummoxed by this. I have no idea where how they're I mean, getting that, that must where, be how com- they that, get- that must be coming from GOG. Like GOG must be more successful than I'm giving it credit for. That's what I'm guessing. Um, a lot of it has to do with, you know, stock. You know, how many how much stock have mm-hmm. people bought in CD Projekt Red? I mean, that could be it. Like people Which could goes just- to the investor issue. Like Right. Like I would rather have CD Projekt Red stock right now than Ubisoft, just because well, of Cyberpunk right now, coming up. for sure. Yeah, I mean, right now because they have a huge game coming up right. in a few months. But like, I'm just saying, like this situation might not be true a year from now, after Possibly. Ubisoft finally starts putting more successful stuff into the pipeline. If Watch Dogs well, Legion succeeds or whatever, after CD Projekt Red's stock spikes. Mm-hmm. A ton of people will sell, and then their market capitalization goes down. Right. So, but still, I mean, just think about that, Matt. Off a game that released in 2015, that was that is amazing, and our game of the year, and it sold very well. Still, 2015, Gwent and GOG, and they're the biggest gaming company in Europe. That's, and Thronebreaker, don't and Thronebreaker, right, yeah, and Thronebreaker. I forgot about that, but still, everyone forgets about Thronebreaker. Yeah. It, it's mind-boggling, and it's well-deserved. I mean, I can't think of another game developer in Europe that I would wish to have that kind of money more than CD Projekt Red, but dang. like <laughs> Not still in business, anyway. I mean, I'll put it to you this way. If I had CD Projekt Red stock right now, I'd be selling it because a lot of times, like, the projects are baked into the price already. So I had a buddy reach out to me right before Red Dead Redemption 2 came out, and he is like, hey... um, What's up with Take-Two stock? And I'm like, bro, I don't even buy gaming stock. I'm like, think about it. I am neck deep in the gaming industry, and I own zero gaming stocks. What does that tell you? And he's like, well, it tells me that maybe I shouldn't invest in games. And I was like, well, that's one part of it. He's like, but isn't Red Dead 2 coming up? And it's going to be like the biggest game in the last couple of years. And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, but a lot of times, especially with the games industry, because we know about stuff so far in advance, a lot of times those projects are already baked into the stock price. People have already bought the stock on the idea that game X, Y, or Z is coming out. And so I told him that. I'm like, be careful. I'm like, because that stock may have already peaked. People may have already bought it because they knew Red Dead was coming, just like you're thinking. And he's like, oh, but, you know, when the sales come out, like, it'll explode. And I was like, well, I'm just telling you what I think. You can do what you want. He bought the stock. He 
emailed me like a month and a half later. He's like, oh, the bottom's falling out of this thing. I'm like, well, yeah, I told you, dude. Like, so the games industry in particular, because it's so forward thinking and we know future products in some cases, like four years before they ever come out, it does kind of put it in a unique position as far as investing is concerned. And it's a big reason why I just don't buy gaming stocks. There's definitely a big time shift frame in because of that. Um, I don't know how much that might apply to Cyberpunk because Red Dead Redemption is obviously a, was a more known quantity even yeah. among investors. Mm -hmm. um, Cyberpunk might actually see a big bump to, to CD Projekt uh, stock-wise when it comes out and blows up and becomes the zeitgeist. Also, I think they are hot in part because of people kind of Real, uh, being introduced to The Witcher through the Netflix series and sort of yep, like doing true. the research and figuring out that this is also a company that's connected to that brand. Um, but yeah, it's, it's it's a volatile... I mean, stocks are volatile at the at any time. Um, and I also think that some of, the, some of the value is happening here because uh, with a lot of economic systems in what pretty much re, you know reflects as free fall right now, um, gaming is doing incredibly well. And uh, all this, you know, whatever whatever economic situation we end up in in the next few months going forward, it is probably not going to impact cyberpunk sales very much. So gaming is kind of a, a place you can sort of be sure that the stocks, if the stocks go down, it's going to be because of normal business fluctuation and not because of like the pandemic, because um, that's really helping gaming right now. Um, certainly it's, uh, you're seeing a lot of people I know get out of entertainment in terms of like film and television and try to move over into, into games because they think that film and television is going to have a very bad latter half of the year as the content dries up. You're already seeing some rather desperate things put on the air, uh, here and there. Um, I can't imagine that, uh, ultimate tag was one of the things that people were really <laughs> excited for this year, but here it's on the yeah. air. So yeah. Um, and people trying to make make it make it uh, seem exciting on the Masked Singer. So what are you going to do? Um, so yeah, it's, it, I mean, it, the, I think it's partly that and partly the the Ubisoft thing. I think is just because I mean that blows my mind. Like to me, Ubisoft's market capitalization should be like way more than eight billion, but I guess not. But I don't think so. Not right now. Not not look at look at their release schedule. Look at what they've done put out. Look at since Breakpoint, pretty much nothing. Look at what they've got on the on the schedule, pretty much nothing. Like maybe like, Ubisoft is the stock you should be buying right now. That's actually. not that's not impossible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, but Ubisoft, I think, if you're an investor right now looking for like some real payouts, uh, Ubisoft looks pretty soft right now. Yeah, um, and I don't think that'll hold true forever, even for very long. Like once you get the new Assassin's Creed out there, once you get the new. Uh, watchdogs out there you're going to see some some boosts as long as they've done a good job with them and they probably have yeah. um but like like yeah like cd project is a giant sure thing right now and ubisoft is sort of in a, a transitional period so it makes yeah. sense to, to that degree in terms of like kind of these the skittishness of investors i'm not saying like ubisoft is forever going to be less valuable than the company that puts out a game every five years um but then again it works for rockstar so I mean, knows? it is crazy. They haven't put out a game in five years, like a real successful game. It's yeah, really I mean, just my yeah, It's like Gwent and Thronebreaker, which Thronebreaker is really a spinoff of Gwent. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, they're, and I mean they're that big game projects. did not do well. Like they they can't just canceled Gwent on pretty much everything, didn't they? Yeah. Well, and also, yeah. Like, I mean, Thronebreaker. Thronebreaker is supposed to be the beginning of a series. Like there's supposed right. to be like a like a new, like I think three games, each focusing on a different character, and those are not happening anymore. Um, it's too bad because I like Thronebreaker. Yeah. But um, yeah, like there, you know, everybody holds their breath for their big releases. So you got Witcher three, you got Cyberpunk, whatever the next Witcher game is. 
Um, and then you which probably figure, take another like, five years. Right, like, right. So. Like you got to figure that it's like another five years for the next one. I just, mm -hmm. it boggles my mind that they are capitalized that well. It's well, they're only capitalized that well, I think, because Cyberpunk is months away. Yeah. They're, they're about to pay yeah. off. You know, the, you know that that slot machine is about to ring up. You know, yep. like like it's. Bottom it's, line is, don't think, don't get wise and go buy CD Projekt Red stock. Right. I think the fact that we're even talking <laughs> about this right line. now <laughs> means that it's too late. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. When when people like us start talking about stocks, it's probably too late. It's probably too late for Ubisoft too. <laughs> to be honest with you, people have probably figured that out like three months ago. Yep. Time yeah. to buy Ubi because they're Although Ubi, yeah, Ubi's oh, yeah, Ubi. The time for that would have probably been in the wake of the Breakpoint fiasco. Yep. When it hit rock bottom, probably. <laughs> Because their game as a service basically fizzled, and you know they're counting on revenue from that for at least another like mm -hmm. fourteen months. Well, it, well it's also happen. not it's not even that so much as that they clearly decided to course correct the whole company as a result of it. Like yep. that, the Breakpoint's failure or or was underwhelming <laughs> wasn't. Yeah, Breakpoint's like uh, underperformance wasn't the killer there. The killer was like Ubisoft kind of had a come to Jesus moment and decided to impact all their future releases by trying to make sure that another breakpoint didn't happen. And so that more than anything is going to shake investor confidence. That's true. Both in the sense that like the revenue you expected at this time, this time, this time is now pushed back. And also because now you're like, Oh, what if they're all terrible? <laughs> like, which I don't think they are, but like, right, you know, as right. an investor who's throwing yeah. all this money at things, you're like, well, I don't know. Like if they don't know if their games are any better. It's burn me once, shame on you. Burn me twice, shame on me. It creates so, a perception of like, do they even know if their games are good anymore? You know, yeah, internally. I can, I can see that so, for sure. So as an investor, I think you get a little panicky at that point. Yep. Um, but uh, look, don't listen to us to buy stocks, period. No. I'm just going to put that out there right now. We are we are not the people you want to listen to for financial advice. Um, yeah, I don't uh, do stocks. It's, 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 it's a very it's volatile weird. situation. Well, it's just weird. It's like this imaginary thing that people just buy into and yeah, enough well, people that, do that, it that, that it makes That's it called an economy, Shane. <laughs> yeah. It's all made up. Just don't think about it too much. <laughs> I know. Uh, Al Murph Murph, thank you for uh, Twitch Prime, man. That is awesome. All right, it's time to move on to our final topic of episode 213. Uh, I'm sure you guys knew all along that this was going to be the grand yeah. finale of the Whoa, show. here it comes. And I will say I have been hearing that song in my <laughs> head for a week straight. Oh, here she comes. I just over and over and over. And the game we're talking about is she's a man eater. Yep. And <laughs> so she is. That song in my brain for a week straight. And it's not like it's even in the game. It's just no. you boot up the game and it says man eater. And of course, the first thing that's going to pop into your head is the Hollow Notes song from the 80s, which I loved as a kid, I would add. So. Um, it's been I've had weird. that, and the, the other thing that keeps getting me is like I, I I do load up Elder Scrolls Blades on the Switch every day to get my free chest and do a daily quest or whatever. Uh -huh. And there's a little, has like a five note section of the town theme that sounds exactly like the song "If Ever I Would Leave You," and it just gets right. It's it gets in there, and I hum that for like an hour after. Yeah. I, it's that's the thing that's going to make me stop playing that game. What's going to happen is all the people who are on this stream right now are going to start tweeting me in about four or five hours, and they're going to hate me because that song is going to be stuck in their head, too. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, we're talking about the... It's only not in there because they couldn't afford it, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, Vincent actually said in chat um, before we moved on that uh, Take-Two's projected marketing spend, based upon that, it looks like GTA 6 is fall 2023. So we'll see. 
Uh, but you could that. you could ask a pretty good indicator though if you look at their budget and they have a big spike right there, that's probably a pretty good good indicator. But anyway, back to Man Eater. Man Eater is in. I guess I would call it open world. They called it open world the whole time, um, and I guess it is. Um, they more do or less. walk off, yeah, more or less. Um, once you, you, once you advance enough, you can go back to wherever you want. Yeah, so. and you can go wherever you want eventually. But it is kind of segmented. Like if you look at the world map. It doesn't really look like an open world game, kind of the way the worlds are attached. But as Matt says, you can go back once you've unlocked the world and go back anywhere you want and pick up old collectibles or find new doors that you that you didn't have the abilities to unlock further. The level design, again, is a lot like Metroid um, in that you'll pass a gate. It'll say you can't get through this gate yet. And then you keep playing. And a couple hours later, you get whatever you need to open that gate. You come back and you can go through it and it unlocks a new part of the level. Mm. Um, like gates you can only open as an elder? Yeah. Or as, or as uh, you might say, Grandpa Shark? Grandpa, <laughs> exactly. Um, and it, so it is, they're, they're calling it Shark PG. That's been kind of the catchy mm. phrase for Maneater. But I would say that the RPG elements in this are pretty light, uh, relatively speaking, compared to other sort of action RPGs. They don't go too far down the rabbit hole. Yeah, I mean, you got a skill tree sort of thing. You got equipping abilities and upgrading them, um, but it's about the least you could put in. And there's, you know, there's an XP or you're leveling up, and as you level up, your shark gets bigger, and eventually you can mutate into other kinds of sharks. And like, and you get these crazy like augments that mm -hmm. like snap onto like the shark's jaw to give him like more a more powerful bite. Um, and you end up getting like armor pieces that attach to your shark and. It definitely starts getting sci-fi. The yeah, far by the, by the end of it, she's like an alien monster yeah, thing. Yeah. Like it's it's and it starts crazy. out playing it pretty straight. Well, for the Sorry, most part. well, <laughs> as far as the shark is concerned, it plays it straight. The, the, this game, you know, the game is is kind of presented as a reality show, um, yeah. like reality. You know, straight. Like, the, like you play the beginning, and then like it literally has the credits for the reality show, which is man, yeah. man eaters versus versus shark hunters. And it was just kind of like a deadliest catch thing. If all the people in deadliest catch were like horrible cartoonish assholes, yeah, <laughs> really hated crabs. Yeah. Um, but like, uh, I could believe that this game takes place in the Saints Row universe. Yeah, like, I could too, enough. actually, because <laughs> it is. It's like a tongue-in-cheek thing. So yeah. the base, the basic plot setup is: there's this shark hunter who has a reality show that follows him around. Um, when you start the game, you you play as a full-grown a bull shark, mm -hmm. um, and what happens is the the shark hunter ends up capturing the mom, cuts open the mom, finds out that there's that she was pregnant, um, marks the baby shark so that later on when he kills it years later he'll be able to remember. Then the shark bites his arm off, <laughs> jumps into the water. And that's how the game starts. And so you are the baby of the mother shark who is killed in the cutscene. And it's your goal to go out into the waters and grow, become more powerful, and hopefully someday avenge your mother's death. Meanwhile, the hunter is trying to avenge you taking his arm. Um, the cutscene for that is so bizarre because there's like a PA standing next to the guy when he gets his arm bit off. And he doesn't even react. He just stands there looking at him when he gets his arm. I mean, to off. be fair, we've had PAs that would not have 
reacted. Touche, Matt. Touche. That's absolutely true. Um, but anyway, that kind of sets everything in motion. And so you start as a baby shark yep. and you just eat stuff. And as you eat stuff, you grow. Eventually you become a teen shark and then you become an adult shark then you become an elder shark and all along the way you're attaching all the stuff that I talked about earlier to the shark to make it more powerful. Uh, there are three kind of special abilities that the shark has um, and that you can also expand and improve as the game goes on. Um, I mentioned this in Sifted HQ today. We did a survival guide for this game. Uh, you need all three. Uh, so don't go down just one path because basically how it works is each one of those abilities works on a very specific enemy. Um, so one of them works on marine life. One of them works great on taking out boats. And you need that stuff because you're going to be taking out a lot of marine life and taking out a lot of boats because that's pretty much all you do in this game. It's um, I see a lot of people in chat saying, this looks like fun, this looks cool, this looks exciting. You're right, it does. When you first start playing it, it is all of those things. Because it's just different. It's unique. It's unlike anything you've ever played before. But if you eventually, Unless you played Depth. Yeah, yeah. Which this is literally a spinoff of. It's a lot of the it old is. devs yep. just wanted to make this and kind of ended up at a different company, and then they made this. So it does... They have taken a lot of mechanics from Depth, except they made a single-player action adventure out of it. Yeah. And, um, and that's pretty much what it is. And as you play, kind of like Grand Theft Auto, as you eat humans your notoriety level goes up. And when it gets to a certain point, then the bounty hunters come after you and they send their boats out after you. And the bounty hunters are kind of like characters in a fighting game. Each one has a backstory and explains why they're shark hunters. Maybe mm -hmm. their dad was the, eaten by a shark or whatever. The backstory Maybe. explanation takes a lot longer than it takes to kill them. <laughs> Good <Like>. point. <laughs> um, but anyway, they come after you with boats and probably I can't see the B-roll. That's one thing that really stinks about not doing a show together in They're the studio the missions anymore. right now and now looking at the bounty hunters. Okay, so yeah, they're they're like these characters from a fighting game, and like they come out and they have their little cutscene that introduces them, and they all have kind of their own special abilities, or they're on a special type of boat, mm -hmm. so they're all kind of themed. And killing them gives you like a new a new ability for your shark, usually. Yeah. Yep. Um, like there's it's a there's a good reason to do it, but like you can you can outpace your shark's level by killing too many humans and getting too high level. Uh, bounty hunters on you pretty fast yeah um like you gotta you gotta be pretty big to take some of the explosive stuff they throw at you um because yeah, they are I mean, relentless yeah i found some pretty easy ways to kill the boats though like if you just jump out of the water and just hit bite and the auto lock is so strong that your shark flies through the air and just eats the people on the top of the boat and you oh, can yeah. just keep but like, you just keep, keep hitting bite and as soon as he finishes one of them he just goes right to the next one and you can yeah, clear literally Clear the whole top of a boat with one attack a lot of times. Oh, sure. But at a certain point, like I found that, you know, at a certain point, their attacks were doing more damage to me yeah. than I could repair with eating people fast enough. Yep. Um, that's that's the really other. the problem is how many bites a human takes. That's and, true. and it takes fewer bites as you get bigger. Yeah. That's and there's the like, yin and the yang of the game, though, is how long it takes to kill something versus how long it takes for you to find a fish to eat to replenish your health. Yeah. That's and also like the, the size whole games tug of war and the size of the shark. Like, and that's, yeah, you know, as you will, every time you level, it get a little bigger. And, um, I, you know, I found it actually surprisingly satisfying when I could, cause like if you're not, if you're big enough, you can grab something in your mouth and shake it and continually do damage to it. And that and does a not, lot you, of damage. You just have well. to kind of like do, you kind of got to just bite, bite, bite and hope, you know, there, there is oddly enough, a little bit of dark souls, 
Like clearly there's some Dark Souls influence in terms of the combat because like some of the bigger stuff that's more on your level, you do have to dodge. You do have to look for an opening. If there's like, if they, you, you, if you're just attacking, 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 you're sort of doing kind of bouncing off them. You'll still do damage, but like they are ready for you. If you can get when this white, like the white circle, like circles around them, like that's when they're vulnerable. You'll do more damage. And if you're big enough, you'll grab them in their, your mouth. You can thrash them around. And when I finally got big enough to thrash, to grab in my mouth and thrash around an alligator, that felt pretty good. Yeah, it does. Because alligators are really <laughs> the bane of your existence. Yeah, they're in the rough early parts of this game. They're almost impossible to kill, even if they're only a couple levels above you. And I think a, the biggest problem really with making it difficult is that the controls in this game suck. The, They're very slippery. Oh, the combat is just straight trash. Like the lock-on doesn't, it's not a lock-on. It a, isn't. And that, that's it really centers, confusing And they me. call it a lock-on. It's just a camera center. Yeah. That's all they it's They do doing. call it a lock-on, and I, was, I thought I was doing it wrong for a while because like, nope. it's not locking on. Nope. It just centers the camera. And it's, you could use one. And you'll see in some of this B-roll towards the end where I'm like dueling with some bigger fish. I think there's an alligator or maybe a barracuda. That the battles barracuda. in this game just turn into That's the these. other song this game puts <laughs> <in my head. laughs> yeah the the battles in this game just turn into these like absurd camera jerking everywhere like like matt says eventually you do get to a point where you can be a little more i guess overt about how you do combat but for the most part in this game like i when i tried to actually follow how the game told me to do stuff it was more of a pain in the ass than it was worth. And I've honestly had no problem making progress in this game. Literally just jamming, spamming the bite button. Um, if you're in the vicinity of a fish, your fish will automatically kind of keep turning towards the fish that you're fighting. And literally, you can just kind of keep turning the camera a little bit and just hitting bite. And like for the most part, you can kill most of the enemies in the game as long as you haven't bitten off more than you can chew because there are some creatures swimming around that are way out of your level but yeah, it, can, it can definitely happen i mean what, what i'm saying is like like i think as long as you're fighting stuff that's roughly your level like you can you can do that like you can just spam bite and get through yeah. it but i'm but i beat a level 15 shark when i was level six. Oh my gosh by, man by playing wow. by playing like smart with the, the dark that's souls impressive. style impressive. um and you can't grab him because he's you know even a level because like Too a big. level eight like alligator in you know, a level eight shark can grab a level eight alligator and shake it around level 15 alligator is way bigger um, but I was because of the extra damage you do when the white circle, like the vulnerable white circle, pops up. I was able to kind of basically crit them over and over, then get away, wait for them to to, to lunge, miss, do that. Away. You know, there is something to it. It's just you're fighting the camera constantly. Yeah, because the and, problem is by the time sometimes you get you the just camera miss. on them, yeah, you just miss. You're right. Sometimes your attacks don't land. The problem is by the time you get that camera spun around to face the enemy, he's already darting at you again. Like, it's really just, the whole thing is absurd. Like, I wish I could see the fights with a camera pulled back like 100 yards so you could actually just see how absurd it is that these things mm -hmm. are just spinning in circles around each other. But that's how most of the fights end up taking place. And it after five or six hours of this, I started to get tired of it. And in addition to the fact that there's like three or four mission types, really. It's yeah, like there's only here. so much you can do with, with a character that has no hands. Yeah, so. it's true. It's very limiting. It's like, go here and kill X number of humans. Go here and kill this apex predator. Go here and kill this other fish. Like, that's pretty much all there is to the mm -hmm. mission objectives. And the game is short, too. 
Um, it is, it's surprisingly short. Yeah, like I was. It's the shortest action RPG I may have ever played. Now that I think about like it, like I remember I was <laughs> I'd been playing for like an hour and a half, and I like pull, I pulled up like the menus or whatever to do it, and I was shocked to look because like, I saw the progress again. And I was thirty three percent of the way through the game. Yeah, like an hour and a half in, it's, and it slows down as you go further because like the yeah. the the things you need to complete in each area get the list gets longer and longer and longer, and you have to like kind of grind a little to level up to be able to handle some stuff here and there. But like, yeah, it's not, it's not Saints Row Three in terms of playtime, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's around ten to fifteen hours long, depending yeah. on how much you fiddle. There are collectibles in the game. Uh, I was not obsessed with the collectibles because they didn't really seem to do that much. Although they do contribute to your leveling, I think. Yeah, find, I, did, like, I like the landmarks, landmarks because yeah, the the whole game is narrated by Chris Parnell. Which is um, great, and his, as, his the yeah. writing's good, and he's funny, and he's you know the 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 landmarks are generally pretty funny. There's a lot of mm -hmm. if you if you know something about like kind of the Gulf of Mexico area states, like there's a lot of gags at the expense of Florida or Louisiana yeah. and stuff like that. Like they're they're making fun of that kind of stuff. Uh, it, it feels like it t definitely takes place in Florida <laughs> in many respects. <laughs> it does. You're right. Um, <laughs> in a lot of ways. And uh, I really, I, you know, maybe it's just the, the time we're in right now, but I did enjoy that, like, when you're supposed to go kill, like, humans up on a beach, um, you jump, you know, you can jump out of the water and jump on the beach and, like, grab them. And, and like, you go and grab a bunch of them and, like, go back in the water because you can only stay out of the water for so long before you run out of air. Um, and all the people just keep standing on the oh, beach yeah. screaming. Like, oh, that's, like Their it's, AI it's, is so terrible. They're I don't know if that's like bad. I don't know if that's bad AI. I feel like that might be pretty accurate reflection of reality. Like, They're right made out of like eight polygons. Like it, you see them, like some of them do try to run away and it's hilarious mm -hmm. watching them try to run because they're like moving really fast, but they're moving really slowly across the screen. Yeah, like, the, the, the model is only allowed to move so fast through the scene. And it has like literally like two animation routines. Yeah, so, I do enjoy like being like killing them on the surface though. And sometimes the shark will like throw them way up in the air and catch them. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's some fun ragdoll <laughs> nonsense in yeah. this. The game is not good looking by any stretch of the imagination. No. Every um, once in a while you get like a like a, a single like underwater thing when everything's there's quiet. No, there's no lighting nice. coming through the water. It's just this yeah. texture slapped on the top of it. Like it's an indie game and you can tell. Yeah, the shark's uh, but it nice. Is indie priced as well. Um the shark is pretty well animated uh, and the gore's fun and funny. Um it is a toy. The, to me this game yeah. is a toy that you fiddle around with for a little while. You get your kicks out of it. As Matt said, going on land is a blast. And as the game goes on, you can level up that part of it. Mm -hmm. So you can literally spend significant yeah. chunks of time out of the water. Land shark. Uh, land shark. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're <laughs> old enough to know that. Most people are like, what are you talking about? That's an old sketch. Yeah. And from and some of the collectibles, like you have to be able to be out of the water a long time to get yeah. them. And like, you can't get them until you get that part of the shark leveled yeah. up. Yeah. So... Um, it's fun. I had a really good time with it for the first five hours. The problem was I had to play the first five hours three times. Mm, this yes. game was really buggy. In fact, I believe that I am the reason for a press release that they had to put out about the game because I had this horrible save issue with this game where I would play it for like four hours and I would go to boot it up again and my save would be wiped. Um, and then on launch day, they put out like a 10 gig patch, which is crazy and sent out an email to the press saying, hey, we're aware of this bug that's wiping your save. We fixed it. It's good to go. And I will say this, it is. So I have played the game mm -hmm. since then to check it out, and they have fixed the problem. But I played the opening of this game three times. Uh, so That's rough. 
I am very well versed in the opening moments of Maneater. And uh, I I have had two six gig patches on mine so far. Yeah. So clearly they did some work for yeah. day one. Mitch, um, you've been playing it. How do you feel? Do you disagree with anything Matt and I have said? No, I agree 100% with everything you've said. Um, the other thing I would add to the combat, um, Matt, I've, I've done the same where I've taken on a w very high level enemy and was able to be successful against it. Um, I think the the thing that I run into with trying to do that combat, I mean, you could time it right where you can dodge and then swim back and try to bite them. You will miss sometimes. That's like one of the hiccups. But the issue I run into is when I'm swimming away from it to watch it to make its move so I can dodge is because the, the second stick uh, that controls the camera also controls the trajectory of you going up and down. I tend to sometimes float to the surface and then I can't see and then I get bit. And yeah. it's just like a really That's bad, a huge problem mm -hmm. with yeah. the game. So it's once so, you get to the surface, you're locked into the surface, which means you can't see... You can see icons of things that are underneath the water surface, but you can't see underneath the water at all. And you have to physically, on the PlayStation 4, it's the square button, submerge. Mm -hmm. And when you're fighting enemies, if you peek up over the top, you have to hit that button again just to submerge while those enemies are still underneath you attacking you. It's There's just a lot of problems with the combat. There's a couple, they never quite figured out how to streamline. The other thing that I think is weird is like when you when you grab an enemy and you're supposed to thrash them, which holds them in your mouth so you can do more damage to them. The way you do more damage to something is you continually pull the right trigger to bite them over and I over I thought again. it was you shook the right Yeah, you shake it you back do, and forth. You do, but I'm, I'm getting to that. Oh, patience, okay. patience, grasshoppers. <laughs> um, you, 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 ha you hammer the, bu the bite button to bite them, but to keep the thrash going, you have to wiggle the right stick left and right. Wiggling the right stick left and right while you're hammering the right trigger <laughs> is a little awkward. Yeah. I'm just, I'm, yeah, I've gotten kind of a down to but then and then sometimes they'll escape and you're still wiggling the right stick and like mitch says the right stick also controls up and down to some degree and yeah. i have accidentally surfaced after a thrash because of that a couple of times um which does put you in a vulnerable state although sometimes if i accidentally surface and i know that i'm in a bad position i will just boost out of there because you do move faster while surfaced yeah. um you have the tools to deal with most of it. They just don't really play well together all the time. Um, it's, I think it's, I found that like I have a better time with it if I don't take it too seriously yeah, as a game. It's yeah. just, it's like treat it like Sharknado. Yeah, just fiddle uh, around like, with it. Yeah. Yeah. And like that's pretty much, and it's not, there's no penalty if you die except having yeah, yeah. to swim back to where you were. And like, well, now there's not because <laughs> that's what was happening when I would oh, yeah. die, it would wipe my save. That's what the bug was. If you died, yeah. your save got wiped. <laughs> Which that is, is that is a problem. Yeah. No, no one needs an Iron Man mode in this game. No, definitely not. Um, yeah, the but, biggest issue, I mean, in the end is like for a game that is supposed to be a fish, it lacks fluidity. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly the thing mm -hmm. you need, it just lacks it. Yeah, it is $40. It's available for pretty much every platform. And I think, I think you will not regret buying this game as long as you go into it with the perspective that we just mentioned. Look yeah. at it as a toy, something you can fiddle around with, something that when your friends come over who maybe don't like video games that much, you can put it in their hands and they'll be like, this is fun. And this yeah. game, the, the game does have its moments too. Like, don't get me wrong. It's not a, a bad game. Like, sometimes you'll get a mission that says, go here and kill a bunch of humans or whatever. And you're swimming there as the shark. And I'm not even 100% certain if this is true, but at least I perceive it to be that when you swim on the top, you swim faster. 
Is that yes, right? Yes, you do. That you is do. right. Yes. It looks like it, but I, I'm not, I wasn't 100% sure. So anyway, I always swim when I'm going somewhere on the top of the surface because my perception was it's faster. And when you start getting to the place of the objective and you can start seeing the icons popping up for the people who are out on their like inner tubes in the water, they're swimming or splashing, you start seeing those. And as you get closer, you hit that square button and you do that dive down under the water. And that feeling, I, I've never felt it in a game before where you're the predator and you're hunting these humans and you know your dorsal fins out of the water and it's just like Jaws. It, it, except, and they don't know it's coming. It, it, I don't know what it is. It's this weird, empowering feeling that you get when that dorsal fin goes below the water, and you know they can't see, they can't see you anymore, and you're coming in for a stealth attack. So the game does have those little like glimmers of awesome, but they just aren't sustained enough uh, throughout the entire course of the game, in my opinion. Any, yeah, any like, I, like when I was thinking about buying it, and like one of my friends was, was like, oh, I don't know, like what are you gonna do with this? I'm like, like, why would you buy something that's so kind of janky? And I'm like, I was like, do you have another shark RPG for me to play instead? Because that's why I'm here. Like, yeah, exactly. that's the it, it. It does have the advantage of like, there is no competition for this thing. Like, and there is nothing promise. else. Like, I will play the sequel to see if they can iron yeah. out some of the stuff that they didn't get right. Look, it's way better than all the shark games they've got before. Like, was it Jaws Unleashed or whatever? Yeah. I mean, that game was miserable. It made me sick. So yeah. Jaws Unleashed had you looking for colored key cards at one yeah. point. Like, it was yeah. really dumb. It was just stupid. This like, plays way better. It, it, it handles it the subject matter properly. It's like Jaws, but it's not. Like, I just, they get a lot right. Um, they just didn't quite get it across the finish line. So I will definitely check out a sequel but I would only recommend people buy this if they're desperate, which a lot of us are right now. Let's be honest. It's May 2020. A lot of us are dying for something decent to play. That's the only way I'd recommend to buy it. Or like I said earlier, if you if you have tons of a disposable income, you want to fiddle around with it and have a fun toy for people to come over and play whenever they come over and visit. But that's not happening now either. Yeah. So. Or if you just like sharks. <laughs> or yeah, or if you just like sharks. It's not, it's not accurate. No. <laughs> they do... They, there are a lot of like shark facts and some of them are accurate and some of them aren't. But so it makes you wonder like, which one should I believe? Like, but usually, the usually the, 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 I mean, they're pretty obvious to me just cause I know a lot about sharks. So like when Parnell is going off about like, and some of the best ones are when they start real and then become, they devolve a gag. <laughs> like it's, 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 yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's very funny. Like it's a very funny game. Not just funny in terms of like, aha, the, the swimmers can't get away, or like the swimmers are all morons or whatever. But Parnell's running commentary is very funny, yeah. and there's a lot of it. Like that, that's one smart thing they did is they recorded tons and tons and tons of lines for like repetitive gameplay things. Yeah, and there is a lot of repetitive gameplay, but Parnell very rarely says the same thing twice in, in yep. a play session, which I appreciate. Either of you guys have anything else to add on Maneater before we go to Q&A? And get those questions in now. Go at Sifted Games. I, I would say it's bread and butter, honestly, is when you're interacting with humans. When it's, when it's the water life, it's not as clean. It's not as tight with the combat system. Also, the other thing I forgot to mention is when you face more than one alligator at once, it's merely impossible. It's impossible. Like, it's yeah. impossible. Well, that's the other part of it is that if you actually fight any two predators at once, it's pretty much impossible. Um, yeah. Because I killed three alligators at once yesterday. Really? What? Wow. Like, low that level. Was in, in an underwater chamber. 
Oh, wow. Like the combat in this is not terrible. It's just the camera. It's just, it doesn't, they, they never figured out how to show you what you need to do. I have to do so much combat stuff, just mentally kind of keeping track of where everything is around me and not being able to see it on, on, on camera. Like it's infuriating at times, but I can do it. See, I um, took on two so, and I just, like, I almost killed one. And then I had the other mm-hmm. one at like a third down. And I was just like, I can't do this. Sometimes well, here's the, the thing. Alligators have like two moves. Yeah, the Barracuda true. are more annoying. The Barracuda are oh, because the they're so fast. Yeah. But, even but that, that was the closest the I came to dying was I had two alligators and one Barracuda in one of those chambers. And I could handle the alligator, but the Barracuda kept coming like, you know, Barracuda does like that, that kind of torpedo move. Yeah, it's really and fast. It kept coming at me from like underneath when I couldn't see where it was. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm combat is not great, but like it's there. They just didn't figure it out. It's like you say about the sequel, like, to some degree, this game feels like it escaped. You know, yeah. like you had to put it. Eventually, you have to pin, put the yeah. thing out. You know, it, it <laughs> yeah. has to come out. You have to get that that revenue in. Uh, you don't want to release this this fall up against the new systems and the new games and stuff. Um, so it makes sense where it came out where it came out. Um, but like, there's something there. I hope they get to make a sequel because I bet a sequel would really gel everything together into what like is in the developers' imaginations of what this game could be. Yep. Okay. That's it for Maneater. I don't think we'll be coming back to this one. <laughs> Probably going to be Probably very not. little reason to. I wouldn't be surprised if they do some DLC, like maybe they add some extra bounty hunters or something like that. But some more bounty hunters, like some new shark uh, breeds or something you can morph into, like would be fun. Yep. I you could do, I mean, you could just add more sections. Like there's more, and you know, you can add a thing where you fight a blue whale or something. I don't know. Go crazy. <laughs> I just want sharks with frickin' laser beams on their frickin' heads. That seems Where, what's that from? Is that uh, from a movie gold or member. Austin Powers. Uh, Austin yeah, Powers. Right. Yeah, I, I not thought so. You could add the uh, laser, laser ability. Laser abilities would fit right in, and like you could do like DLC where like aliens invade, and like you could do a bunch of like jokes about like Echo the Dolphin because that was the premise <laughs> of Echo the Dolphin. Like you could you could play with a lot of that stuff. How about I don't know eating if Atlanteans, Matt? Eating Atlanteans. Yeah, Atlantis is good. Yep, Atlantis is good. We're on call level three of the hype train. 52%. Call up Warner Brothers and see if you can get an Aquaman tie-in. <laughs> uh, before we get into the questions, I want to thank people for a Twitch Prime. Call of Dookie 1, thank you. Uh, Chevelle Man 1979, thank you. Danboy 90, thank you. Uh, One Super Master Gamer, thank you for Twitch Prime. JM Rain 99 just keeps making it rain with subs. He just gave out another handful uh, to our users. Thank you again. That's awesome. We're on level three of the hype train at 52%. We're almost there. All right, let's get I missed uh, Deville124 did one a lot earlier in the stream. Okay, sorry I missed that, man. I try to keep track of them, but sometimes I just uh, get too caught up in the conversation and I miss stuff. Uh, let's get the questions from Zet Saber Juno. Has that always been your uh, your Twitch handle? I always thought you were just Zet Saber. Anyway, uh, considering Spider-Man 2 is free within two years after release, how long after release will Death Stranding be free on PlayStation Plus? Hmm. Hmm. Probably about the same. The, yeah, I don't. I don't. No I reason don't to hold on. No reason to hold on to that one. Probably. I mean, it might probably even be more earlier. <laughs> even probably less al- it's probably also more up to Kojima. Yeah, I mean, it's coming to PC, so they've already kind of pimped it out. I think at this point, they're just going to try to make as much money off of it as they can. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe that they would delay it a little bit more than the numbers would dictate. But uh, yeah, I'd say two years or less that for Death Stranding. That'd be my guess. I would say 18 months after the PC release. Okay. 
ETH Demon, Matt, how do you think Hollywood uh, slash TV networks handle not just the pandemic, but the ramp up of production time afterwards and the content shortfall? Nobody knows. Like they're if starting I knew that, to. I mean, there's like a meeting now, like happening. They're trying, they're to but like yeah. the vast number of amount of production people I know, uh, despite you know needing the money, are not comfortable going back to a production setting yet. Yeah, um, I mean, that's the whole thing. You can open up whatever the hell you want. You can't make people go. Right. <laughs> and uh, the studios are not thrilled about it because one of the one of the things that California is looking strongly into is um, basically COVID wranglers, like people on set. That's whole, their whole job is to make sure that everything's being done as safely as possible in terms of possible transmission and contact tracing, which is estimated to cost somewhere between three and four thousand a day. On a, on a big production. So you're talking about adding one to $2 million to every bottom every line budget. production budget. Yeah. And nobody wants to do that. Um, so it, it's going to be interesting to see. So, so you've got like the workers that don't want to risk themselves in that environment because look, sets are gross. Like, like sets are, are nasty. Yeah, they man. are. Like it just happens. A lot of times those things have been reused for other stuff. Yeah, and, yeah, sure. And then like you've got the studios and the people providing the budget who don't want to tack on all that much extra budget for something that like maybe if we just hold on a little longer, there'll be a vaccine and we don't have to do that anymore. But like, yeah, you are going to start hitting the point where the machine is hungry for content and no one's got anything to watch anymore. And then what do you do? I mean, you're not going to hit that point and for most, in most places until probably closer to the end of the year. Uh, and then hopefully people are hoping that the theatrical release system can kind of spin back up and people, you know, start going to see the tentpole stuff. I mean, look, I don't know where that's going to happen. Like I think Tenet is going to get pushed way back. Um, I don't think that's still coming in July. That would be suicide. Um, I think Wonder Woman's going to slip. I think the canary in the coal mine might end up being uh, New Mutants at the end of August. See if anybody wants to come back yeah, for that. I am that certainly, sense. I am certainly not going to risk my life to see New Mutants. Nope. Um, <laughs> but uh, I wouldn't risk my life to see any movie, man. I no, just won't. But like, <laughs> no thanks. There, but there's a point at which you're going to be able to kind of make that judgment call. Yeah. Um, but it would still take something I really desperately want to see to go do that, and that'd be much later in the year. Well, um, the, pro the problem I think for a lot of people who are workers is that they are going to get to a point where they're left without a choice. So mm -hmm. I have a friend who manages a series of restaurants in the Bay Area, the San Francisco Bay Area. He manages three different restaurants and one of them's in Stockton, one's in San Francisco and one of them's in like the East Bay or whatever. And so he has to go around like all the restaurants and make sure people are doing what they're supposed to. He has a health condition. He has a heart arrhythmia. He had a heart attack at 28 years old walking up a hill in San Francisco. And they've never been able to get it exactly right. So he is an at-risk person. He does not want to go back to work because think about a restaurant. The people can't wear masks because you have to eat. And they're in the room for a really long period of time. And those are the big X factors for this is... Don't be in a room where people are in there a long, a long period of time because it, it gives the virus a chance to circulate around the room and you got to wear masks and they're not going to do either. And his yep. bosses are forcing him to open all the restaurants on Thursday. Hmm. His mega rich, multi-million dollar, probably a couple of them are worth almost a hundred million. They're restaurant group owners and they're forcing him and all his employees to start working on Thursday. So, for a lot of people, there's going to be this moment where they have to decide between being safe and keeping their job. And my friend is going to work on Thursday, and I'm terrified for him. So, yep. and that is uh, going and even better. 
California is drafting legislation that basically exonerates businesses from being responsible legally if it's their employees not, get like nationwide yeah. sick. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, I know this actual legislation being worked on in Sacramento. I personally know that right now that would basically exonerate businesses from being responsible for that. But they're not drafting anything to help those employees who don't want to get sick or can't get can't get sick or they might die. Like, well, the other um, problem too is that if these you're places, being thrown in the grist mill at that point, and yeah. and uh, same is true of like theater employees. You know, like yeah, I wouldn't want to be stuck in that situation. He's not forget going to the movies for two hours, being in that theater working for All eight hours. Yep. Like you're you're it's you're taking your life in your hands potentially if you're if you especially have a condition like your friend does. Yeah. Um. And again. Uh, the most risky things to do in terms of st normal, what we would consider normal social activities is probably going to the, going to uh, a restaurant, like you say, or going to church um, because church is a group of people, you know, it's, it's similar to the movies in that everybody's kind of grouped together into a, into an audience, but people sing, sing a lot more and that yeah. projects a lot of dr droplets out of your mouth. Um, and I'm going to guess most people don't want to wear a, a mask while they're singing a hymnal, even though they probably should be. Yeah. Um, so, so we'll see folks, what happens. Yeah, a lot of people are going to be put in these weird positions. And the other part of it, too, is that once these places open, you can't get unemployment anymore. Because right. if you refuse to go to work, then you're, you're voluntarily. You're, yeah. that, is, but that is why a lot of the, uh, the smaller, more, less economically robust states open so soon, by the yep, way. Exactly. They wanted to stop paying unemployment. Mm -hmm. And they're like, we'll force these people open. If they don't want to go to work, that's their choice. But they're going to lose their damn job because somebody else is more desperate and they will come in and do the job. Yep. So no good answer right now, unfortunately. No. And production is, you know, people forget. You know, everyone thinks of Hollywood as like a glamorous like film and TV. It's like, oh, so like, no, production people are pretty much blue collar workers most of the time. Like, oh, like yeah, that is, you that bust is, your ass. Yeah. It's so like, funny how people think. Don't that, judge everyone by Scarlett Johansson's. Yeah, job. everybody like, thinks that everyone who works in entertainment is rich. Um, they don't have to do anything. They just sit around while they act. Like, dude, they're manual labor jobs. Being a producer oh, yeah. is a labor job, period. No doubt about it. So, well, and, and a hard labor job with long days and long hours and off hours. So, well, well, and then the X factor you have to include that is the actors have to be in close proximity without yeah. a mask. Yep. Yeah. And some actors have to kiss. Like, yeah. when is when it is a show now not going to because of safety, which I completely understand. Like, would not have an actor kiss for a certain season of shows because it's like, you yeah, I mean, you may have to write around it. the uh, that you may have to write around it for sure. Either that or some really accurate testing if that ever becomes you know available. Yeah, I mean, if we can get it where it's like a couple hours and you get your results, then everything you can get that. Like, I I know someone who got who had had she and a bunch of people from her work got sent home with horrible migraines the same day, and so and they are healthcare. Thing and they thought that maybe that might be so they got tested they got the results back a few hours later and none of them had it yeah right um, now those tests are not particularly accurate though they don't they not necessarily but like they're more apt to give false positives yeah um which like is I good would, because would, at least then you err on the side of caution like i would love to be uh to have like an antibody test because i think i was ex i was exposed plenty to this thing in february and march uh, potentially um, but i never got sick yeah um but uh, I would like to know what until you see him jam that Q-tip eight inches into your brain. <laughs> I saw well, that. Have, I'm like, I'm never getting one of those tests. Well, you don't have to do that anymore. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, but, but that's uh, what turned a lot of people off from getting tested for a long time is the footage of them literally 
shoving a Q-tip this yeah. long, like up into your brain. It was it's like not fun. Well, not I'll just, just stay that, at home. Just people didn't care. <laughs> I've had that done before. It's not yeah. great. I bet. Uh, all right, we got to get some more questions here. Um, it's not great, Dan. <laughs> um, what are the odds we see a new Fable at July's Inside Xbox? Uh, what game are you hoping will be there? Better than average, I would say. Pretty good odds. Um, if it's not there, I wonder what the what they're doing. Um, I think that's probably the thing I'd most like to see. I don't even know if I'd be super on board with the new Fable if it's just the same thing kind of revamped with better graphics. But like, I would like to see that franchise return. Um, and when and beyond that, I don't know what I'd want to see out of my. I'd, I'd want to see something new that I'm excited about that isn't like a rehash of an old IP. I guess. Fable's the only real Microsoft IP I think I would like to see resurrected. Yeah, I mean, the odds, if I had to put a percentage on it, who, 45%? That sound about right? Yeah, that's what I'm uh, going yeah, for. Yeah, I guess so. I'm going 45. Like, and I agree with Matt 100% too, is like, give me something different. Give me something fresh. Give me something new. Give me something to make me excited about your product. And at the moment, yeah. if you give me another staple of another franchise that I've seen 20 games of, I'm not going to care, like, really. Yeah, it's, it's also like, oh, bring back whatever. Bring back this. Like, well, did it work last time? Not really. So come up with something else, I guess. Like, for yeah. God's sake, don't announce Crackdown 4. Like, don't do that. Like, <laughs> Let's not go crazy with that, with <laughs> old stuff. I don't need another Conquer game. Like, just, like, come up with some new shit. Um, here's one from Barry Toss. What weapon, armor, enchantments do you find to be the most useful for your playthrough of Minecraft Dungeons? Um, so one of the things about that game is time is kind of a big part of the game. Um, there are certain points where, like, um, you can get trapped by enemies, like I mentioned earlier. It's very easy. And then it's hard to get away from them. Um, there's only really one evasive move in the game, and it's like this roll... But the thing is, when you finish the roll, there's kind of this dead period where you can't really do anything. You can still move, but you're kind of in slow motion. And so the enchantments that I found that worked the best were the ones that affected the enemies in that same way and slowed them down. Um, I can't remember what the specific name, what the specific names were, but there's a couple different ones that kind of affect enemies in that way. Anything that like controlled mobs, like there was another one that I got that was like um that was like it would turn your fire spell into something that would ignite other enemies. And that was helpful again, because sometimes you just get overwhelmed and you need a way out. So those would be the ones that I would pick if you're playing the game and you're trying to figure out how to spec out your character. Uh, Justin Horman, two super, two super quick questions. Uh, did Mr. Kyle cry when Optimus Prime died? And what is Mr. Satterfield skate shoe brand of choice? Matt, you can go first. Uh, I did not. I was confused as to why they did that, but uh, I was not a. Uh, I was not as attached to Optimus Prime, I guess, as most of the rest of our generation was. Um, I liked him, but he was not one of my favorite characters necessarily. Um, I just thought, like, wow, that's. I was kind of shocked by how violent the, the, that movie was early on. Everybody, all the old characters getting bumped off left and right. But uh, I don't know. 
everybody talks about how it was a traumatizing moment for me. I'm just like, why did they do that? Like, why did they kill him off and replace him with, replace all the old characters with a bunch of way less interesting characters? I cried. I'll just be honest. I was a kid, man. I cried. I was like, I mean, I was was 10. I was not a kid. hero, man. I was like, (laughs) holy crap, you killed Optimus Prime. And that was back before social media and everything. So it wasn't like it was spoiled before me before I went into the theater. Mm -hmm. So it was devastating to me. I'll just be honest. It broke me up. (laughs) Not as bad as E.T., but it was pretty close. I'm not even kidding. It was close. I prefer to Beast Wars, so, you know, Optimus uh, Prime dying didn't really mean much to me. Uh, yeah, I guess so. No, Beast uh, Wars was a better show. It was, for sure. Uh, skate shoe of choice for me. I did not wear Vans. Vans are probably considered the most popular skate shoe. Uh, they used to be an underground thing. Now they seem to be as popular as Nike, at least in California. It's insane how many people wear Vans. I never wore them because, for me... I would ollie through the side of them literally in like two days. And the bottom of the, the the reason a lot of people like Vans for skating is because the sole of the shoe is thin and it's like this grippy rubber. And so depending on how you skate, if you skate vert, that's great because you don't want the board to leave your foot while you're in the air. Uh, For street, I hated it because you're always ollieing. And when you ollie downstairs and you land, there's a lot of weight coming down on your feet. And my truck bolts when I wore Vans would kill my feet when I would land tricks. Um, so I always wore airwalks back in the day. In fact, I wore high tops when I skated back in the day because my ankles just got shredded. In fact, my ankles are still shredded. When I wake up in the morning and walk from the bed into the living room, it literally sounds like a bowl of Rice Krispies, my ankles. That's how bad they are. Um, so I always wore airwalk high tops. Um, I know hardly anyone wears high tops anymore at all, let alone for skateboarding. But that was what I wore. And most skate shoes back then were high tops to give you support for your ankles. So I was always a big airwalk guy. They also cared about the size of their shoes. So it would take me like a month to ollie through a pair of airwalks. Um, and so, you know, I was broke and poor. And, you know, so I bought the shoes that I thought would last the longest and were the most comfortable. And for me, that was airwalks. Um, another skating question from Sneaky Shalid Shanake. Shane, did you see Skater XL and Session got console release dates? Uh, this and Tony Hawk's Pro Skater are all out within a week or two. Will you be playing any? I'll be playing... Oh, yeah, at least one, Um, probably all three, honestly. It'll be interesting to go back and forth between all three of those games because they're all taking at least a slightly different angle uh, than the other ones. Um, Now I'll say this, um, Skater XL and Sessions are closer together than they are close to Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. They're more realistic. Um, But I feel like each game is going to have something to offer. Tony's going to offer nostalgia. Um, I feel like these other two games are going to offer an experience a little closer to skate, but hopefully not as rigid as skate. So I'm going to give all of them a go. Like I said a couple weeks ago, I've been begging for a preview code for these games from PR, and they will not give it to me. I don't know why, Hmm. but I'm trying. Um, Chevelle Man 1979, did Matt get his TurboGrafx-16 Mini? Uh, Not yet. I think it's supposed to be here today, but it hasn't shown up yet. Okay. Um, So we'll get impressions of that next week on Game Face. Hope so. <laughs> I'm supposed to be here today. So okay, uh, we'll answer a couple more. There's so many in here. I'm sorry, guys. We'll be able to get up to all of them. But um, one supermaster gamer. What do you guys think will be the next gaming trend for next gen? If I knew that, I wouldn't be telling you. <laughs> well, I, I think it's going to be more of a continuation of what we, we they've kind of hinted at in Generation Eight. I just think streaming is just going to become 
something everybody does. Um, it's already kind of getting that way. Just looking at my Facebook feed lately. Um, but I think when you have a camera and a mic and everything built in, you don't need a separate headset. And I just think streaming is just going to explode. Um, I as, as if be, it hasn't already, but I would not be surprised if you, with, with all those things you said, Shane, that like streaming groups would happen where you can literally video chat on your console with everybody. So just like an upgrade to the regular, uh, audio chat. Or they'll license Zoom or something. Exactly. You know? I yeah, mean, Microsoft already like has that. Skype, and Skype's already installed on Xbox. But PlayStation could totally work with Zoom and have an, a Zoom app where, you know, again, if you have a built-in camera and a built-in mic, everyone can do it. And that makes a world of difference. I so, mean, the pandemic has proved it, that this is possible. Yeah, absolutely. What about you guys? Any other things you guys see popping up over the next four or five years? I mean, genre-wise, no. I mean, I, th I think you can't really predict that. Like, no one could, could call Battle Royale coming until it came. Um, so whatever it is, it's probably some sort of slight permutation of something we already play, and we just don't know what it is until it happens. I think the, ten will, the trend will continue of advertising um, main uh, similar-type genre things like movies, TV shows, within games, not just like Fortnite, but go into other games, whether that's going to be an advertisement banner on Madden or something like that. I think them seeing how much Fortnite is getting the piece of the pie in regards to the viewership, they might try to put some stuff in other games. Okay. The EA tried that a long time ago. I remember with Skate, yeah. and the, like the, when that launched, the big thing was Simpsons the movie, and it kind of backfired because it was the only thing being advertised in the game, and all the billboards were just plain white with the Simpsons logo on them, and it was just the most boring thing to look yeah, at it's a like, dangerous thing to do because if you don't get enough people to buy the billboards it's bad yeah <laughs> for sure uh davil124 bro we answered this question last week but i'll just answer it really quickly do you believe nintendo will release a newer switch model by the end of the year also breath of the wild sequel by the holidays um, I think we all agreed last week that something from switch a new switch something will be coming soon but we weren't 100 mm -hmm. sure what it was um, Breath of the Wild sequel by the end of the year. What do you guys think about that? Well, I don't know. You got it on your fantasy team. Yeah. So yeah. Maybe. I believe it. I believe it's going to happen. I do. I, I think might. they need it. I think they need it. <laughs> they, they're going to need it, especially if those uh, remasters of all those 3D Marios don't come through here soon. They're going to need Zelda in Q4. So. And especially since it's taking place in the same world, development time's going to be cut down because you don't same have to engine, do much to the world. Same everything. Yeah. yeah, I mean, so saying a three-year window for this game to come out, or is it four? Um, it's totally doable. I Definitely. think it'll be out this year. Oh, and then he finished his question with love you three, and we love you, Dabble. Thank you, man, for all your support. Uh, okay, we'll answer a couple more. Horse box with Robocop now appearing in Mortal Kombat. Is there are there any guest stars that we you would love to see uh, in the series next? And do you have a favorite guest star that has appeared in a game? Good question. Um, I think John Wick should be in there. Yeah, that's that actually makes a lot of sense because the good thing about Mortal Kombat is you can have like fantasy characters you can have a dude with an ak-47 it all makes sense like there's really mm -hmm. nothing out of bounds for mk uh, so that would absolutely work i think for sure if you want to go absolutely outrageous you know like put cartman in there like a 2d cartman character and i think yeah there's enough that comedy might he's fit. done that it can make it work yeah i feel like you'd almost have to make him look like he's like a life version of Cartman, like a real-life version of I mean, him. you could, yeah. I mean, it's workable. 
Like, it's, yeah. it's, I don't think they've ever had a 2D character in a 3D MK, if I'm remembering correctly. I don't think so. That would be interesting, at least, for sure. You definitely got that part of it right. I just think it's so far away from the art style of the game, it would be hard to pull off. Be cool, though. Um, uh, I don't know. I, I feel like they need to make a game that's just serial killers, in all honesty. <laughs> like, Jason, Michael Myers, like, every killer from every horror movie, just put them all in one game and let them, let them have at it. I think it would be awesome. As a huge horror fan, I would add. Other people maybe not. Yeah. So I mean, they kind of—it's kind of I mean, kinda dead by daylight to some degree. Yeah, a little bit. Obviously, not a fighting game, but uh, yeah. at least it proves the licenses can be gathered. Yeah, but I mean, there are more than enough, especially if you're really into horror movies and you know some of the more indie stuff that's been coming out. There are great, great antagonists from movies that people don't uh, don't even know exist. Uh, but there's also a, a roster of, you know, probably 10 or 12 that almost everybody will recognize. So I think that would be a good idea to make a fighting game. In the direction Mortal Kombat is going, I would love to see Injustice somehow mix in like a V versus V concept. Mm. Okay. Um, JM Rain, you dropped so many subs on our users today. Thank you. We're going to answer however many questions you have. Um, some states are creating laws to protect those of us with those of us with chronic issues. I hope this becomes more widespread as I live with cancer. It sucks. What, dude? You live with cancer? Oh, I'm sorry, man. That sucks. I'm sorry to hear that. Um, and you're the exact people that we're fighting for, man. We're trying to keep these idiots from killing people like you. But, oh, man, I'm sorry, Jam Rain. Keep your money, dude. Don't give it to me. You need it. Uh, <laughs> it's made me sad. <laughs> Keep fighting, bro. Don't give up. Your attitude is everything. I, I really believe that. Um, okay, here's a regular question from Jam Rain. We're going to answer that one, too. Um, when are we going to get more info on Elden Ring? Man, this show's just been crazy. <laughs> it's just it's been nuts. We start off with Matt getting like robbed in his house. We end with one of our best community members having cancer. This is too much. Too freaking much. Anyway, when are we going to get more info on Elden Ring? I think very soon. Like, very soon. Um, we're working on a countdown right now. I've been working with Vincent and Mike's Q on our next countdown. And uh, there's a hint of Elden Ring in there, is all I'm going to say, for a reason. So um, I think we're going to get new information soon. It's due. There's no reason for them to not share it at this point. What do you think, Matt? Maybe. Like, I think that game is still further out than we think, um, but it would make sense to at least tease it with some of the next-gen stuff because it's clearly going to be a next-gen title. Yeah. Um, it's certainly, if I were Sony, I would probably uh, at least throw in an, a teaser in there, like when I do my PS5 reveal, just so people can be excited about it. Because um, we still don't really know anything, uh, so anything is going to be a, a little bit of a hype boost. So yeah, I, I, would, I would expect... If it's not in kind of the PS5 reveal stuff, the only reason I could think of for it not being there would be it's really, really not ready. And it feels like it should be time to have at least have like a, a decent little teaser trailer out there beyond what we've already seen. Okay. Well, one clarification from JM Rain. I literally almost started crying. So I'm glad he said this. He says, I am doing good. He said he's been dealing with 11 years of cancer. He has chronic cancer. He says, don't be sad. Thanks for answering my question. Still. I'm sad. <laughs> I can't help it. Uh, Matt, uh, but I wow, probably, you yeah. have been fighting it, man. 11 years, you're a freaking warrior. So keep on keeping on. 
Yeah, I've, I'm, I mean, I can I can slightly relate my my stepfather um, who passed away from had stomach cancer for multiple years, so it was um, it was rough. But um, he, he just kept I, fighting. Yeah, and I he did. I mean, he was an athlete triathlon. He has a um, he has a snowshoe race in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, named after him, and it actually was a contender to be used at the nationals um, national level. So um, he so I. I I, 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 you hang in there, bud. We got gotcha. you. But uh, yep. um, to answer the question, one thing Matt said, uh, Elden Ring was shown at uh, Microsoft's um, uh, stage. So I think Microsoft will be the one to show it off. Hmm. Probably. They're due. I mean, it's been a while since we got any information. They did put That's out extra. That would be extra interesting just because I don't think any of From's Xbox ports have been particularly good. That's true. <laughs> That's 100% true. Uh, all right. Our last question. For this week, from Wampler13. Hey, Matt, what was that movie you liked so much? Mulholland Drive or Mulholland Falls? I have time for <laughs> movies these days, and I want to see some good ones. Mulholland Drive. Yeah. That's definitely not Mulholland Falls. Mulholland Drive is... is I've never even heard of Mulholland Falls, actually. Yeah, it's Mulholland, Mulholland Drive is David Lynch's uh, uh, dream logic thriller mystery about Hollywood, basically. And it's okay. probably my favorite movie of all time. Well, I know Mulholland Drive. I don't know Mulholland Falls. Mulholland Falls. Um, that is some kind of like cheapo thriller thing, as I okay. recall. I never even heard of it. But good question. All right. That's going to do it for Game Face Episode 213. I'm Shane Satterfield, your humble host. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Dinfire. You can find Matt at mkyle, K-E-I-L. And you can find Mitch at Mitch Sikor, S-I-K-O-R. And if you want to keep track of what's going on, because we're publishing stuff all over the place all the time. If you want to keep track of it all so you know when a new episode is coming to YouTube or to Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, follow the site at Sifted Games on Twitter. Um, also, if you're enjoying the content from anywhere in the internet verse and you want to help us out and we do need help, uh, you can head to patreon.com slash sifted and kick us a couple bucks a month. So, Great chat this week. Um, great job on the show, guys. Um, everybody, stay smart and stay safe out there. We'll see you next Tuesday. Game Face is up and out. <laughs>